It is feel good. Friday, May 20th, 2022. In this sports show, shall begin right yeah. The PGA Championship shall continue. McElroy in the lead with our guy Justin Thomas hot on his heels at four under. McElroy's at five under. We will keep everybody updated as that tournament unfolds. You know, big news at the PGA Championship. Weatherman Penny DiNardo just told me it's supposed to be a real breezy day on the track. So they actually didn't cut the greens because yesterday's greens were fucking glass with the wind that it's supposed to be today. Everybody's ball, green and reg, uh-uh, blow it off. So it's uh-huh. so, supposed to be a little slower green, windier sky. Who be able to fight through? Those who are good with their irons. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's who we are looking at today. Look for more cow. Maybe they can run. Uh, we will keep everybody updated. John Daly was on the slot machines last night. Ooh, I assume he hit because yesterday he played great golf. Now, in 2008, there was a registered PGA Championship um, round of John Daly where he smoked 21-6. Hero. <laughs> Thank you, John. 12 Diet Cokes? No, you think yeah. so? Yep. 12 Diet Cokes, six packs of peanut M&Ms, zero ounces of water, and at least one dinner at Hooters. Now, that is not from yesterday. That is from 2008. But let's assume that John Daly still sticking to the fundamentals of John Daly golf, hammering cigs, smoking, uh, uh, drinking Diet Cokes, going to Hooters, zero water. I don't need any of it in doing his thing. If John Daly ever wins another major or a tournament, (laughs) the world is going to explode. And the nutritionists and scientists and all the body guru people are going to have to answer to why John Daly has been a professional golfer at the level he has been for as long as he has been while he's housing chocolate milk Mm -hmm. every single, like a gallon of chocolate (laughs) milk, I think, every other day, smoking cigs, living his life. Congrats to him having a great first day, but now it's for the young guns, McElroy and Thomas, Zalatoris, Hodge and Kuchar to battle it out on this glorious Friday. There's a lot of NFL TV news that is kind of seeping into the internet that we will definitely chat about today. Uh, And we are still directly in the middle of up to something. Oh, here we go. Preseason happened. Mm-hmm. A few weeks ago when I, and this happened with the last Up to Something yeah, season where yeah. I announced, hey, Up to Something. Right. And it was like a five-month process. Uh-huh. Now, when we made the announcement, I think people were a little bit understanding on why it took so long. Because whenever you're dealing with something like that, there is some time that you have to go and dive into the, you know, asterisks mm-hmm. and the clauses yeah, sure. and all that other stuff. So Up to Something season was very long. This year, I thought Up to Something season was coming and going. Then we had to put a pause on it because, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know if now's the right time to have this particular conversation with where you are. Let's reassess everything and let's dive back into it. Now, there's a bunch of people in the pool. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Back pool. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Right now, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of things that are happening and you know, we'll just continue to enjoy this. And remember, this show will always be free. Hell yeah. Okay. Always. Mostly because I as host of said show with my name on show, although I am nowhere near the reason why this show is as good as it is. The boys at the Toxic Table, at Ty Schmidt, at Boston Connor, at Tone Diggs, all the guys in the back, all of our incredible guests that stop by and give us majestic conversations. I mean, everybody from the White Tiger to the back-to-back MVP (laughs) of the NFL, sitting Congress people, all the way through billionaires. We have the incredible luck in fortune of getting to chat with the most interesting people on earth for a living. 
follow up. There's people that do it much better than us, I assume. There are shows that are much better put together and designed and with a much more likable operation. But there is no reason for what we do every single day to ever cost money. Okay. Yeah. Like nobody <laughs> should ever have to, you know, because I feel terrible about that. Like somebody, for instance, our members on YouTube. It's the lowest price that we could possibly make it <laughs> because I feel like, all right, are we giving them enough for their money? For us, for this show, has to be free because there's no way that I could sleep at night thinking, I think you should have to pay to watch what we do in yeah. here. Yeah, no, that's fair. It makes a lot of sense. Just feelings. yet. You need to relax. Well, I'm just saying. Couldn't help okay? yourself. At some point. Couldn't help yourself. Some Not point even we'll two minutes there. into the fucking show. We are five minutes in. Yeah. Well... Yeah, five minutes uh-huh. in now mm-hmm. after the intro after yeah. 12.02 Eastern Standard Time. And this is, you know, a little later than I expected for the first VCon drop. But exactly. I did power through your introductions, maybe on purpose to make sure we didn't get that. Anyways, there's a lot going on in our world. Very thankful for everybody. The show will always be free. So any... Um, leaks or rumors or anything that you hear that says it isn't or if it does say that not true now what does that mean tbd we'll see still in the middle of the stuff season it's a fucking busy up oh yeah yeah. it is yeah there's been a lot of this going on hey talk to me Uh you know (laughs) hey whoa that's an awesome thing that'd be cool Wow, that sounds really awesome. Oh, my God. Okay, thank you. We're very lucky. We're very fortunate. And today is going to be no different. Today's show is going to be one that you should never have to pay for, but should be pretty entertaining. Hell, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mostly because George Kittle's joining us in about seven minutes. Whoa. One of the founders of Tight End University, presented by Charmin. Oh, oh yeah. Great toilet paper. That is the official title of Tight End University. I'm a wet wipe guy, but I do love Charmin. Charmin's awesome. Well, Tight End University, presented by Charmin, is coming up here. It's the second one. Last year, there was over like 50 tight ends there that were working alongside each other, giving each other game and tips and, you know, not afraid to ask questions. I believe they hammered a lot of beer, too. Oh, Um, yeah. It was at Vanderbilt. I believe it's at Vanderbilt this year. I'm not sure if it was at Vanderbilt or Lipscomb Academy last year, but I'm very, very pumped to talk to George Kittle because the San Francisco 49ers Mm -hmm. have a lot of conversation around them right now. Tight End University is incredible. One of their tight ends, one of the founders of tight end university just got bumped up to the number one fox uh commentator let's go way to go greg olson obviously that's also great for the tight end position but also nfl fans because i think all of us who got a chance to hear greg olson in his maiden voyage of being a color commentator last year thought he was incredible Mm -hmm. i mean he did it while he was playing he uh took a couple games literally during bye weeks in his career he was a part of our retirement press conference my retirement press conference our piece of content he was incredible he's a great actor he's very handsome his resume stupid and he can call the hell out of games so until tom brady decides to hang up the cleats and go right into the booth making 37 and a half million a year jesus a baby tom hell yeah greg olson will hold down the seat and a lot of people will think oh it's a little bit of a shot at greg olson greg olson gets to call the fucking super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so what greg olson is about to put on tape all next year with a lot of great games now fox always has the nfc's 
uh, games, basically, mm-hmm. road mm-hmm. games in the afternoon there, 4 o'clock or whatever. Mm-hmm. Next year, that'll be vastly different. Next year, I guess, every single game is up for grabs from any network. And AFC is normally with the CBS. NBC is, or um, the NFC is normally with Fox. Mm-hmm. That's why whenever Joe and Troy talk to each other publicly, they're always like, uh, wait until you get a chance to experience Tom Brady in, on Fox and in the NFC. Is what Jim told Joe on the Manning cast, I believe, because Tom was just making his move to the NFC for the first time so it's like a it's a fascinating thing that it's all up for grabs next year and I honestly believe all signs especially with the roast after this upcoming season for Tom Brady they're doing the hey every game is up for grabs I think that's because Tom Brady is going to be in the booth and they would like Tom Brady to call a Patriots game mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. an AFC game as opposed to just Fox always mm-hmm. calling NFC games and very rarely AFC games so I think there's a lot of things happening because Tom Brady is expected to be in the booth after this upcoming season but Greg Olson is a gift to the NFL fans he's much better than a lot of the people out there and and, uh, he's probably auditioning for a job the entire year somewhere else. And there's a lot of people that are about to get in the NFL business. Yeah, and like he has the resume. I feel like a lot of times there's not always the analysts who have the resume. Like Greg's played in the Super Bowl. You know, he was on the Cam Newton team that went 15 and 1. Like he knows that side of it. And also he knows kind of the downside of it where sometimes the team might look good and they don't perform that well. And he played in. What are you saying? I'm just saying Carolina saying? every year wasn't awesome. And he also bounced around to different teams. Like he went to Seattle and played for Pete Carroll and he played with Russell Wilson. Like I feel like he's played with some premier players and played under some premier coaches like Ron Rivera. Congrats to Greg Olson. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'll say congrats to Drew Brees. Maybe. This was a very interesting tweet from Andrew Marchand who works for the New York Post who we have respect for. Relationships mm-hmm. started very rocky at the beginning as he took massive shots at me oh, yeah. whenever we first got into this entire business. Mm-hmm. But I think as he's continued to watch us do our thing, and as we met him, he has been much nicer and shown respect. So I got nothing but respect for that. Okay. okay. And he also happens to have all the information about TV stuff. He does. Yes. Mm-hmm. Feels like he knows all the people that are making the moves. He reported today, news. <laughs> that was actually the first word. News. Cats. Not breaking. No, 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 no just no, no. news. News. I like that. Andrew Marchand reports, Drew Brees is a possibility for Fox Sports at the number two spot. Possibility at Fox Sports number two. Possibly number two. If Brees wants to have a big NFL broadcasting career, this is probably going to be his best, dash, dash, maybe last, dash, dash, chance to do it. Fox will not break the bank for him, but the opportunity will be there. There's like 10 shots at Drew Brees. In yeah, Jesus. Is this guy stinking calling games? I don't think I got a chance to hear him call the Notre Dame games. I thought he was incredible in the studio. His resume is unbelievable. I thought he was beloved by like all the executives, all the people at the NFL, because he was pretty high up, I think, in the NFLPA. He uh, was. Well, and paying himself a handsome yeah, salary. Yeah, yeah, I think he, well, that was because of merch, obviously. <laughs> what was that? This is his, maybe his last opportunity at a big NFL broadcast. Is this guy dead next year, or is everybody, like, deciding, hey, uh, he kind of stinks, and we're giving him one more opportunity? I don't think I fully understand, because calling a college game, vastly different than calling an NFL game. Mm-hmm. So I did not listen or watch any of the Notre Dame games. No. Because you're one of the mayors up there. Correct. And I watched a lot of college football. Uh, he was all right. If he stunk, we would know. I don't know. Well, 
he did the one NFL game, but we kind of gave him a pass because they were honoring him at halftime. So, like, the emotions were probably there. But that was the only game I think he has. I don't remember just thinking this guy's terrible, though, right? Yeah, no. And I think, like, with how, again, like, how good he is and everything. Like, when he's actually breaking down the football, like, he, he is pretty good. But, yeah, that one game was awkward. I don't know if I buy that he was so bad in that one game that now he's just like dead to everyone else. Like with all these like Apple or whoever coming in, like Drew Brees is a big enough name where, you know, yeah, well their baseball coverage. I mean, Talk <laughs> I don't to know, you. but maybe he does call baseball. Listen, no, no, I'm not saying he calls baseball, but you're right. Like Apple's picking up sports. And yeah. Like, people are there. There's many different ways to broadcast sports these days. I like we do with NFL news. We always have to wonder, like, who is giving that information and why? Yeah. That is clearly Fox, right? Mm-hmm. Delivering that information yeah, to I mean, Andrew Marshawn. That feels like it. If Breeze wants to have a big NFL broadcasting career, this is probably going to be his best. Mm-hmm. Maybe, la- hey, fuck around and find out. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe your last chance to do it. Fox will not break the bank for him. All right, listen, no. we're not... Not paying we're you, not Drew. paying you like what we're hearing, what everybody else is doing. But the opportunity will be there. That's fast. That's just really interesting because I had no idea that this is how Drew Brees was. Fun. I'll say this. I'll say this about Drew. Um, oh, so you're going to give us a little bit more of an honest review of his okay. Notre Dame? No, no. I said he was. Uh, Isn't that what it sounds like? A little bit. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I hope you know so. how I feel about Drew. So if I if I didn't think if I thought he was even mediocre, I would say the guy fucking stinks. Um, he there's a lot of guys calling the NFL. <laughs> Who he's better than, I think. Like, there's a lot of people calling the NFL that absolutely fucking stink. Like, yeah. someone with the initials like A. No, a, no, 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 no. Or, come on. Come on. Hey, hey, Adam, Adam Amin? Fuck off. No, Tony. that's play by play. Fuck. Okay. Arne Anderson? What? You'll think. You guys, you guys will think about it. There's no reason to do that, by yeah. the way. Tony, come on. Easy job. Archuleta is just not good at calling football games. Oh, my God. Tony. Slow down. Feel good Friday. I mean, our guest just joined us, and my batteries are dead. So <laughs> there's no way I can join him. Uh, yeah, can you just throw me some batteries? That'd be great, Zito. Appreciate that. Um, the rechargeables are up here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the only- thing about rechargeable batteries, if you don't recharge them, guess what? They're just just like every other battery. Well, it's never happened before, but there's only one in the rechargeable, and I was completely mind-blown. I well, didn't know. Remember, the moss died. Oh, oh so yeah. The mouse got one. The mouse got oh, one. Okay. Son of a bitch. So, so we're all, ladies and gentlemen, joining us now. <laughs> Thank you, Zito. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is a man who, you know, is electrifying. Oh, oh yeah. Not just in his place of work, the football field, but in life in general. Almost stole the show at WrestleMania with how incredible of a fan he was, how charismatic he was, how big he is, how handsome he is. How noticeable he is. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the founders of Tight End University, presented by Charmin. Okay. All pro, Pro Bowl, tight end for the San Francisco 49ers, based in Santa Clara, George Kittle. Yeah! Hey, baby, George! Pat, were you just describing yourself that entire time? <laughs> no, no, no. I was talking about you, man. There's a couple. All handsome, charming, steals the show, Come on. gets gets messed up by Vince McMahon, but then gets Stone Cold stunnered by the by the one and only Stone Cold Steve Austin. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it was a pretty cool night. Well, I mean, you were there, though. You were there. You were, by the way, there's some moments of WrestleMania where they cut to a solo ISO cam on George Kittle, and you steal the fucking show, George. I oh, got his shoulder up. Ah, let's go. You had some God. moments. You had some WrestleMania moments, George. 
you know what? I am there for you. If you I was waiting for you to tag me in because I think I could have helped you with events. Yeah, see, if I, I wasn't in a proper state of mind. You know, it kind of came out of nowhere. That wasn't a... Um, a, uh, I'm undefeated in sanction match. That was non-sanction. Yeah. That was non-sanction. The person in the match can't sanction the match. So, hate to break the Vince and everybody. I'm still undefeated at WrestleMania, and I, I was caught in a whirlwind. Maybe if I get a yeah, yeah. Maybe if I get a little bit more experience immediately upon that happening, I go hold on, Vince. I'm gonna go get George Kittle's big ass out of the crowd mm-hmm. right here and bring you in. That's next time, George. We'll do that. Let's talk about right now, though. Tight end university, game changer, it feels like, for the entire position. You guys kind of get together. The position is growing in importance. We hope it's growing in business with the modern NFL, with the new rules. This is gonna be a position that's gonna continue to be a staple of every offense. Now you guys go to Nashville, get hammered together and tell war stories. That's what tight end university is? Sure, give or take. I mean, we have we have some fun, you know, but it, it's work first. You know, we, we show up. Uh, we're at Vanderbilt University this year. Uh, our goal is to have about 80 tight ends. We had 50 last year. Uh, just kind of grow it a little bit. We're going to hang out. Uh, we You know, the cool thing really is this year we got some legends coming back. So we got Dallas Clark, tight end from Iowa. Hell yeah. Ooh. Ended with the Ravens. He's coming down with his kids to do, teach a little, you know, route running and stuff. Uh, maybe teach me how to catch without gloves on with just tape. Yes. Absolute savage. He's got uh, banana fingers, though. Those things are, I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, he's a monster. And then we got um, we got Tony G. Tony Gonzalez is going to come down for a day. You know, he's, he has a little bit of a family vacation, but he's making a, <laughs> an app to come see us for a little bit. And then, uh, you know, Mr. Kelsey's working on Antonio Gates right now. So hopefully we have three prominent legends going to come down and talk ball with us. So what is this all about? Is it because the tight end position um, is so isolated? Because on a team, there's like, what, three of you guys, four of you guys, kind of a smaller position group, offensive line, more people, wide receiver, more people, even running backs, more tight ends, kind of a smaller group. Is this just like to try to learn more quicker, to try to get other tips or just bring the tight end community together, you think? It's kind of like expanding the brotherhood, honestly. Like, I want every tight end on every team to know each other. You know, if, if you come down and you don't learn a single thing from Dallas Clark and Tony Gonzalez, at the end of the day, I just hope that you've met a lot of tight ends that have similar interests in you and you make new friends. And you just, you're part of this brotherhood that's league-wide because it is, it's an isolated position. Uh, you, you, you're lucky if you get two tight ends on the field at a time. There's a couple offenses that do it a lot. Uh, but most are just one guy out there. And so... You know, but there's there's more to that than just hey, like Travis Kelsey is the tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, but there's two tight ends below him that are good tight ends that do a lot of special teams work and they work their asses off every single day. So we're just trying to bring all these guys together, get them to know each other, and have some fun. With it. So it's all NFL guys, college guys. Will you open it up to like high schoolers for a day or two? What's the future look like? You think we're working on? It. I think I think a possibility this year. I I, I think we're bringing in a couple college tight ends the first day. Oh. to do some work with me, Travis, and Greg at my place out in Nashville. And it's going to be like you just got a scholarship from Levi's to go to Titan University. So that's that's what we're taking. So we're, we're diving in just a little bit, just a little bit. Hey, this is but good. Hopefully it's going to continue to grow. And then, you know, at some point we'll get high school kids. Like the overall dream is at some point, five, ten years down the line, we go from high school kids, we have retired Hall of Famers, and you want to mix them all together and everyone's learning from each other. So then the tight end position, which isn't coached very well in high school, maybe some colleges do it well, but so that they have more things to learn from, from guys that have done it at a high level and they can take that back to high school and become better tight ends throughout college. It'll be good for the entire sport because the tight end position has become so damn important. There's not a lot of good coaching. That's kind of an interesting thing because the tight end position in the past, vastly different than what it is now. Is that why you think coaching is a little bit behind? Uh, I think it is. I just don't think it's a position that people care about in high school. 
You know, like you you throw the tall, lanky kid that can't is too big to play wide receiver, not big enough to play offensive line, and you just put him there. And the coach would be, you know, someone's dad that's just hanging out. And he goes, "Hey, uh, I watched highlights yesterday. You just got to really run through that guy's face." He's just like. <laughs> Maybe we can give them some better coaching. Maybe Greg Olson can show them how to run a better route. Maybe I can help him develop that mentality of trying to kill the guy across from you. Uh, yeah. I would assume you guys could probably help out a little bit more. Dallas Clark did a lot of coaching whenever you know he was at the Colts. He was basically the coach of the room. So I, I assume he is very excited and thankful to get back out there and give back to the community. Tony Gonzalez, though, Antonio Gates. Yeah. Dallas Clark. This is at Vanderbilt? Yeah, it's at Vanderbilt University. Man, Charmin had to be pumped to get involved. Like, Who's all going to be there? Yeah. Every tight end and the legends of the past. We're 100. <laughs> Shout out Charmin. How did oh, they yeah. get in? What is this? Dude? What is like Charmin and Levi's? Obviously, they're giving Whoa, scholarships. Well, I let think. Me, let me hear me out. So you got Charmin. Charmin loves tight ends, and it definitely oh. protects your backside. Oh, I get it. Ah, huh? smart. And then well, you know what? Why not get some jeans for them boys? Because Levi's got to cover them tight ends. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. they do. Why not? And, you know, why not, while you're wearing those nice Levi's jeans, get a nice, cold, refreshing, crispy Bud Light? Why? 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 why yeah, I love that. And then since we're in Nashville, might as well work with the, one of the best companies in Nashville, Bridgestone, Bridgestone Arena. Why not? <laughs> why not? Wow. Got great sponsors bringing all these tight ends, taking it's care of us, allowing us to do this. You know, at the end of the day, they donate us. They donate a ton of money to us. So we can do all this stuff with the tight ends. And then at the end of the day, we take all the remaining money and we donate it right back to Nashville. The Boys and Girls Club get a bunch and other uh, other uh, charities throughout Nashville get a ton of money. And then, then and then next year, we just do the whole thing again. How'd Nashville become home for you? Did you always want to move there? Always want to live there? Because that city is fucking awesome and it feels like everybody is moving there right now. It's a, it's a blast, Pat. Come on down. I'll, I'll treat you to a good time. No, I was sitting uh, after my rookie season. I was sitting in Iowa at my parents' house. It's January negative 20 degrees hell yeah and i'm like what the hell am i doing here I was like, I'm a football player i can live wherever i want to live i can go to florida i can go to california like where, why would i want to go and a teammate iowa teammate and niner teammate cj bethard he lives in nashville i've been there a couple times on spring break had a decent time and then trent taylor wide receiver one of my best friends on the team also lives in nashville who now plays for the Bengals. And he's like you should just come down here lived in nashville two years out of an airbnb the second year rob tunyon joined me and I bought a house, and I've been there ever since. Now I live on a nice acreage right outside of Nashville, and just loving life down there. Ooh, <laughs> wow. Come up, that is. From Airbnb to raw land, did you build the house? No, so I got really lucky. Um, the land that I had that I bought had a house on it. It burnt down. New couple buys it, builds a new house, moves like eight months later. Brand new house, George Kittle. How you doing? Brand new house. It was amazing. <laughs> 75 acres, baby. Let's ride. How, <laughs> how long are you locked in with the Niners right now? Uh, I got, um, I think, three years left of my deal. You're becoming like a pillar, a staple of the San Francisco 49ers, which is obviously a program and a franchise that has a deep history. You made a comment about Trey Lance reminding you of Josh Allen, I think, to somebody somewhere, and that ran everywhere because the Niners faithful is obviously a big fan base. The future with Jimmy and Trey, big question mark. You like Trey Lance, huh? You love the way he plays, love the way he operates. How about how he handled the whole situation last year? I mean, this is an awkward, isn't it kind of awkward situation going on over there or not at all? I mean, some would say it's definitely awkward. I mean, you trade three first round picks for a quarterback, like there's writing on the wall. Like it is what it is. It's the NFL's profession. Everyone's trying to bring in younger better cheaper players and then that's that's just the way the league is and so there is an awkwardness to it i guess 
But at the end of the day, we're all here on the same team and we're trying to win Super Bowl. So it's the lucky thing that we have here at the Niners is I feel like we have a fantastic culture of guys that just want to get better every day and we love everybody in our locker room. And so, you know, Jimmy G could have, you know, he could have been a dick and said, you know, it's not my job, not my responsibility to take care of this guy and put him under my wing. You know, but instead what he did is he was a professional every single day. He didn't complain one time. He showed up. He worked. He started. He got us to an NFC Championship game and helped Trey along the way. And so I thought Trey took a bunch of steps forward. And for Trey to become the really good quarterback in the NFL, he needs reps. And so once this kid gets a lot of reps, just watch out because some of the things I've seen him do in practice kind of mind boggle me. So I'm waiting for it. Yeah, he's considered what? Great athlete, right? The, the, what was the big question? He came from small school, right? Yeah. Small school, mm-hmm. maybe doesn't know defenses or can't throw or whatever. Like, what do you think? Because obviously Aaron waited behind Brett Favre for three years, right? And I wish, and I've said this publicly a lot, and I'm sure the Luck family doesn't like this, I wish Andrew Luck would have sat behind Peyton for one year. Like, I wish Andrew Luck would have sat behind Peyton for one year to see how he operates in the building, how you operate with equipment managers, training, like everything like that. Trey getting an opportunity to watch Jimmy G do this, who's from the Tom Brady uh, mentor camp or whatever. It ha- did he make leaps? Like, did you see leaps and bounds as him as a player, as a football, as an NFL guy? Or is it just like a consistent growth with him and he's kind of just chill? Uh, both. I think it's consistently gotten better, but like you could see – like Jimmy G is a professional through and through. Like Jimmy G takes notes every single meeting. He asks questions every meeting. Like he, he's in his books. And I think once Trey saw that, he was like, oh, I need to do all that and more. And it's also, too, we have a great quarterback room. We got Nate Sudfeld in there who's also got a – he's got a nice little silly release. I like him a lot, too. <laughs> he's great for Trey, too, because he's just – he's a people person. He helps Trey with the offense, and he did a great job helping him all year, too. So Trey has taken – I, in my opinion, big steps forward. Like, if you compare him to last year's OTAs, I think he's two different players. And they, it's, that's just exciting to see. Now, if Trey Lance is the starting quarterback, and if I say if, because I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, not your decision. Not your decision. Yeah, not, thank God it's not my decision. It's all you, Kyle. You got this. I believe <laughs> me. But um, all these reps. And, you know, if there's growing pains, there's growing pains. I think we have a good enough team around him from Trent Williams and Nick Bosa to Fred Warner bye. to George Dayu to Brent to Debo we have enough guys around him to help him out through those growing pains. And so if it is, if it happens, it is what it is. And hey, you know what? If at the end of the day we have to run the ball 35 times, count me in, baby. Yeah, you love that, huh? Just fucking mauling people. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Was that last season where you threw a guy and then continued to run? Or was that two seasons ago? I don't remember. It's kind of all getting tracked. You're an absolute it's savage, every- though. Huh? It happens every season. <laughs> <laughs> How tall are you? How big are you? I'm six three and a half. What's your weight? 242. So you said they kind of put the tall, lanky kid at tight end. Did you grow late? Did you? When did you kind of come into your body? Was it in Iowa? Because Micah Hyde yesterday cut a promo about how Iowa's a cheat code for the NFL with putting on weight and getting you prepared for everything. Is that where you kind of transformed, do you think? I mean, I think I graduated high school. I was six one and a half, maybe six two, but a buck eighty. And then by the time my senior year rolled around, I was six three and five eighths combine, and I weighed almost two hundred and sixty pounds. So, yeah, that kind of helped me with putting weight on and learning how to play the tight end position because I had no idea how to do it. I played free safety in high school. Hey, first team all, first team all state. Right. No big wow. deal. Oh, yeah. No big deal. Go I was safety, so uh, tight end position was, like, mind-boggling for me when I first got there. Well, you've done a great job. I mean, I'm sure you would have been a great safety, too, 6'3", 260. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Laying the wood. You would have been a fucking <laughs> incredible safety. Go ahead, Todd. Yeah, speaking of that, George, anyone who watched you at Iowa knew you were an absolute fucking dog. Dog. <laughs> 
but uh, st- statistically, you know, like you, everyone knows how Iowa is. They don't really. I mean, it's not like they're airing it out like that. But did you expect to produce the way you did right away in the NFL when you really didn't have that type of body of work in college? <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing in my rookie year in the NFL, let alone my second year. I had a great coach, uh, John Embry, was there for me. He helped me out, like simplified things and. Honestly, I I credit a lot of my success to Garrett Selleck, who was a vet tight end, now retired. Just had his first baby, actually. Hey, congrats. Congrats, man. Good tight end family. But he he really helped me out just understanding the game, um, slowed it down for me. And, you know, um, the NFL is just a game of opportunities, man. Like, there weren't a lot of guys that were, you know, going for the football. uh, or wanted the football in 2018. We weren't a great team. Jimmy G got hurt. Our offense was kind of, you know, like, what the heck is going on? And, I had an opportunity, and I just kept catching the ball, and I kept running through people's faces, and that just kind of worked for me. And I mean, did I see it coming? I mean, I've always believed myself to be a very good player, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep going until someone stops me, and then a lot of the time people just didn't stop me, so it was pretty fun. Hey, your dad's a stud, too, so you've known for a long time that you're about to become a guy there. Saw your dad at WrestleMania look damn good. <laughs> Oh, uh, he does look good. Sixty-three years old. Went on. He goes on twenty-mile bike rides almost every day. Just an absolute legend. Dude, he, yeah, he looked good. Hey, this Yo, is my dad. I was like, nice to meet you, man. I'm about to go uh, try not to puke in the ring. <laughs> um, you talked about uh, running through people's faces and doing that whole thing, and how you guys can coach the tight ends probably better than maybe they are doing at high school or college. With Shanahan, okay, how much of you know, coaching is Shanahan doing of you? Is that more X's and O's strategy? Because everybody talks about how good his playbook is, how good his play design is. I assume he knows he has you as a weapon, though, and you're a massive piece of everything that he does. Are you a part of that, or is he just like a mastermind all by himself in there? Um, You know what? Honestly, most of it's Kyle just comes to us on a Wednesday morning. He goes, here's our game plan. And then, like, you can just – there's, like, a couple pages right in the middle that's basically made for me. Then, like, Debo has a couple, like, these routes are made for him. These routes are made for IU. These play actions are made for our running backs. And, like, you can just – you know what plays are built for you. And, you know, every week it's anywhere from five plays to 15 plays, just depending on what he's feeling that week and how he feels the defense is going to guard us. And then Thursday comes along, we do all of our third downs, and you know, hey, there's like five or six plays out of the 15 third downs we have installed. There's about five for me, five for Debo, five for everybody else. And it's just really fun to be a part of an offense like that. You and Debo, whenever you guys had your pregame routine, and we would say this as people that aren't fans of the Niners but watch your games, obviously. Oh, those two are saying, hey, today it's fucking us or nothing. You know, like, <laughs> hey, this is what it is. Because then you watch the game, it would be a lot of George Kittle, a lot of Debo, obviously everywhere, running back, wide receiver, everything he's got going on. Have you chatted with him through this entire process? That's kind of sizzled down, and hopefully it calms down because him and Shanahan's offense is awesome to watch, not that he wouldn't be elsewhere. But have you chatted with him through this whole thing? I actually just talked like two days ago. Okay. How is he happy? Yeah, he's like he's in a good mood. He's hanging out with his kid who he just had, and uh, he's also a new dad. You know, congrats, Steve. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Her baby. Um, no, I, I literally, I, I didn't want to ask. I didn't ask him about his contract. Uh, we were just talking about other things where he's training at, and we ended up talking about sneakers for a little bit because we both are sneakerheads. So that was our entire conversation. But he seems like he's in a good place, and I think I think Debo knows that this team loves him. We'd love to have him here, and. If he, if he wants to play somewhere else, hey, it is what it is. It's a business. And so I wish him nothing but the luck, best of luck if he goes somewhere else. It'll all get figured out. I feel like that's how everything literally has to be looked at in the NFL with all the money there is now. George, a lot of money in the NFL right now. Hey. Really? <laughs> George, only going this way, too, it feels like. 
You know, as a business. Almost as if we should have waited to sign that CBA oh. and when the TV deals oh. ended and we could get a part of those new ones. Almost. Some would say. <laughs> Good news. Hey. That, but some would. Good news. Another eight years, another one will come. You'll still be playing. Maybe. <laughs> Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, George, you mentioned Trent Williams. How did that play where he goes in motion and just absolutely slaughters somebody, you know, be formed? And also, was there anybody in practice that had to actually take on that block, or were you guys just saying, don't worry, it'll work? Um, so it was actually fun. That's actually awesome because we watched it as an offense, the play that we ran it in practice because the defense didn't know it was coming. And the DN that was on the side, I can't remember who it was, but I'm pretty sure he just turned and ran at the sideline. Like, just ran completely out of it. <laughs> Dude, Trent Williams he's is large. Trent Williams is the best. He's the best football player in the NFL. I don't care. You can talk to me about any other player in the NFL. Trent Williams is the most God-gifted human being I've ever seen. He's got, literally, he's got he's got the lower body of a wide receiver, and he's got the upper body of a silverback gorilla, and he could literally kill anybody if he wanted to. Watch him play the game. One play, he'll, like, fake punch and just drop a guy's head on the ground. And the next play, he'll shoot through your chest and flat back you. There's nothing that you can do against the guy. Try to pass rush him. He played in the NFC Championship game on a high ankle sprain and played at a high level. And like The only way to beat Trent Williams is if he's hurt. It's crazy. He's literally the best player in the NFL. You love and it, huh? And Aaron Donald's up there, too. I'm a huge Aaron Donald fan. He's amazing. So, don't Aaron, don't get mad. Like <laughs> also, George Kittle, pretty fucking good at football. Yeah, yeah. You're pretty- yeah, you're pretty good at football. Jonathan Taylor. Oh. Sure. Matt Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Matt, Matt Ryan. Matt oh, Ryan's the best hey, football Pat, player. Can I ask you a question? Go ahead. So I'm on the Twitter, the Twitter sphere uh, yesterday, yes, two days ago. Niners fans are up in, are in uproar because Skip Bayless is out here talking about how Micah Parsons is better than Nick Bosa. I was just curious. What's your take on that? I'll tell you what. These guys, really good football players. You know what I mean? Both of Bosa's know how to fucking get to the quarterback. That's right. And that's something that Ohio State does. But when you're talking about Micah, he was the fastest guy at the Pro Bowl. That's right. He Tyreek Hill. He was also at WrestleMania. I don't know if you uh, ran into him. And- Mike, he's a good dude. He's fun. Great dude. And that's what I think the future of the NFL is in good hands with those two guys really playing football at a high level. And when their careers are done, then you know what we'll do? We'll get up on our high horse and we'll mm-hmm. judge the fuck out of both of Hell them. Hell yeah. See, why can't we just do that all the time? Everyone's, everyone wants to judge people after their rookie season. It's absolutely incredible. Well, Skip, a Cowboys fan in him, just it just makes him think weird sometimes. I well, think. Skip, I mean, he's been playing the same song now for years. <laughs> yeah. now. You know what I mean? He is yes. he is a maestro of burying people at all times. And I've been told from people that are close to him that those are his genuine thoughts. Like, not that's not like a full that's not a full bit. Like that is actually how he is all the time. When he says it, fully believes it. It's not just like a make believe thing. That's awesome. Jeez. Imagine if your brain was able to think like that. Just as soon as something awesome happens, go, boom, not as good as, bang. That's what I'm going to say. Like, imagine if that was, and he's been doing it for 50 years, still as quick as he is, getting paid as much as he is. Something happens, uh, not that good, fucking stinks. Let me, uh, that's awesome. I don't know how you do it. You know what I mean, George? I'm an optimist, I think. I I think we're both optimists. I think the glass is always just overflowing, in my opinion. That's just how life. Jim Irsay told me, he said, you know, if you're an optimist, they say you see the glass half full. If you're a pessimist, you see the glass half empty. I always say, get a smaller glass, it's full. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great fucking line. It was a great line. A big pop out of me. I laughed so hard at it. Uh, Tone Diggs? Uh, George, kind of messed up. You guys didn't bring me. Yeah. 
I assume he's going to be there. Kind of messed up you guys didn't invite Heath Miller, well, though. Funny, oh, oh, well, so last year we didn't invite any rookies because we were shorthanded, and I have invited him. He has not responded, so he's ghosted. Oh. Whoa! Doesn't want to says, fuck way to make, you! Way to, try to make me feel like, a, feel like a dick when I've invited him. So no, no, no. I said Heath Miller as a legend to come back. <laughs> I'm just wearing the Muth jersey. <laughs> Hey, help me out. It's the first year of Legends, man. Like, I'm He's trying well. my best. We're just you know, we're dipping our toes in the water. Next year, hopefully, we have, like, five to ten guys come back. And I think Keith will be a part of that because I watch all of his games, too. He's an absolute savage. Yes, yeah, Skip. Why are you going to be so Jeez. negative? Hey, how, about you, how about you bring that pessimist tone and get the heck out of the office? So- oh! Oh! He's dead! Oh, my God. So- someone has to be realistic. Who's throwing you guys balls uh, there? Oh, fun fact. I got a couple guys confirmed on that, actually. I know you guys will be most excited. I got my boy, CJ Beathard. Hell from yeah. That. Nick Mullins, one of my boys. But then I got uh, I got a, a sneaky old uh, little Trey Lance is coming to town to throw. Oh! I mean, I think Zach Wilson is almost confirmed, too. So I got two young guns. And honestly, the one I'm, I'm very excited about, too, is Josh Allen's trying to make it work. He's got a family thing that weekend, but he's going to try to come for the first two days. So we got QBs, boys. Hey, you guys got a camp. Yeah. You got QBs. You got Charmin, Levi's, Bud Light, Bridgestone, George fucking Kittle. T-E-U is going to go on an incredible run. You created something special. You should be very proud of that. And uh, good luck next season, pal. Oh, hey, thank you so much, Pat. Next time you're in San Jose or Nashville for an event, man, let, just let me like sweet chin music somebody. I got your back. Okay. Yeah, you'll just come out with Try- me? Either one. Yeah, dude, you can sweet chin, you can punch somebody, you can throw a potato or two. Yeah, you know what I mean? Do whatever you got to do. I, I really want I want someone to jump off a ladder and land on me through a table. Like, that's my dream. Okay, let's keep playing that- football. <laughs> let's keep playing football, all right? Let's keep doing that. Uh, they're, they're, we don't need you doing that while you're in at least the next three years with the Niners, and who knows what the future looks like. Uh, but we appreciate the hell out of you, man. I appreciate you guys. You guys have such a fun show to be a part of. But will you get uh, negative Nancy out of there, please? That's <laughs> fucking you, pal. Oh, my God. Well, I have a, I have a problem with George because hey, we, we were you, supposed you to go. Hey, will you still have to DM me back and not just ghost me? Yeah, like, I, will. I will. Me? But, he said, no, I think that, but, but we were supposed to go see Godzilla together, and you fucking ghosted me. So that's like did were you there do you want i have jurassic i have the new jurassic world movie reserved june 6th if you want to come for the team in san nashville jose. or san oh, jose favorite movie san jose just fly off for it i'll you know i'll, I'll pay for your movie ticket here we <laughs> go you, there tom. we go way to go tom wow. go don't be such you. a negative prick all the time that's how it's born uh ladies and gentlemen all pro stud in life and on the field founder of the tight end university presented by Charmin, george kittle thank you man U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota is hosting the first of hopefully many VCons where I believe people are about to transform their entire lives, and that's what Gary Vee is all about. It hasn't worked for these two men sitting at the toxic table, at Ty Schmidt, at Boston Connor. Wish we would have sent you two to that because you two needed it more than anybody else. Maybe a little positive panda, you two. Oh, okay. Okay, huh. maybe a little positive panda. Yeah. You don't want to know what I would have done if you would have forced me to go to VCon. Yeah. Let's just say you probably would never see me again. (laughs) (laughs) That's genuine anger. Yeah. (laughs) Again, no knock to Gary VA. You do what you got to do. But these people. Quite an angry alligator. Who would spend their weekends. 
God. They're That's learning awful. so much. God love them. God help them. Yeah. <laughs> do worry about their future. Do it. Ah! Do what makes you happy. You are such a scumbag. You hear me? <laughs> Chomping a scumbaggery. Absolutely. I'll wear it. At Tone Diggs, the one half of the <laughs> hammer. Dad! The Cowboys is here. And joining us from his attic in Ohio, college football national champion, Super Bowl champion, Ryder Cup champion, COVID survivor, AJ Hawk. AJ, how you doing, man? You look, you're glowing today. You're ready. No, so I just joined the show. Before you get any further, VCon lasts all weekend. Gas up the jet. Let's send Ty down. I'll cover the gas. If you want to send him down next two days, we gotta have a camera follow him though. Bet. All right, Bill, get that two point one million dollar <laughs> ticket. Okay, we would like the entire. We want the whole car wash. Yes. We yes. want the whole shebang. Okay, we want the meet and greets, the sweets. Wait, two point one million dollar ticket. Okay, how much? So people are paying to get in. How much is a normal ticket? Uh, the cheapest one was four hundred bucks. We saw. Yep. Mm-hmm. All weekend. It's like a whole weekend event, though. It looks like a big old thing. A big so I production. think what this is is one of those like super positive retreats that people yeah. do. Who's that guy with the Tony uh, Robbins? Tony yes. Robbins does these things, right? Where people go, they learn about stuff, they connect, they network, they change their perspective. I yes, assume man. this is going to be very super positive. Yeah. Yes, man. There it is. That's where Jim Carrey went. And he, he transformed his whole life. Remember? Uh-huh. He got sucked off by his neighbor with no uh, teeth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Old lady. Did he really? Yeah, yeah. old yeah. lady. Oh, took, yeah. Her, sick. took her teeth out and did her thing. And he said yes, because he had to, because he committed to it at one of these conferences. So, yeah, I think it's like a super positive conference that if you are viewing it from outside in, you don't understand the environment, the culture, the vibe. You don't really get that you're bought in. But we would like Ty to be there next year if this thing's happening, AJ. I oh, think yeah. that is an accurate mm-hmm. assessment. Oh, I, I am sure it will happen next year. Next year, it's going to probably be what? Is he going to run out the Coliseum over there in Rome? Like, where are we going to do it? Lucas Oil. Maybe. I'd consider that. It'd be one thing. You Lucas Oil is a real possibility. Nah, you, if Gary V is at the Coliseum in Rome, on the sands of the Coliseum, I'll consider fucking seeing what he has to consider, say Consider? There. There's no consider. It sounds like the Done decision deal. would be made for you. This would be one of those situations where it might change your life. Yeah. I doubt it. Because I won't put in what it was going to require to change my life anyway. Once you got there, you would, though. Yeah, you, you would get nah. sucked in. You would feel the energy, the positivity. You yeah, would have get so much fellowship. In. It would be amazing. Sucked into that thing. It'd suck you right in. Suck you right down. <laughs> suck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It'd I be mean, a big I'd, suck down time. Uh, I doubt it. I might spend $1,000 at the concession stand. I might see how many hot dogs I can suck down see, during his that's freaking... not what you need. That, that's, you know, that's one part of the problem. And that's what um, old Benjamin... Uh, Barracuda, yeah, you uh-huh. know, was trying to teach us. It's his problem. Hell Can't yeah. binge on too much stuff like hot dogs and everything. Mm-hmm. But it is tough to view one of those from the outside. I think that's a whole experience thing that people are committing to. Like, hey, I'm going all in in here. I'm gonna let loose. I'm gonna do these random, you know, exercises to change my life. And that's what Gary Vee's doing. That's why I'm applauding. Yeah, it's nice to let you know up front in the name V Con. We're gonna con the shit all right. out of you. All right. Con is in a lot of names, okay? Popcon, mm-hmm. Con Man, Comic Con, yeah. Comic Con, Twitch Con, Twitch Con. Did you guys went to that one yeah. time? Yeah, learned remember, so much. Remember, you guys were gonna be streamers for this. You oh, know, yeah. Hundred million viewers. Yeah. That's right. We're almost there. And, hey, hundred plus now. It's only grown. That's right. Esports is a big deal. It is. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about some sports, shall we, AJ? Um, yeah. George Kittle said in the first hour, Trey Lance. 
He said he looks like a completely different football player from last OTAs to this OTAs. Getting to watch Jimmy for a year has made him better. Trey Lance actually going to tight end university in June, uh, presented by Charmin in Nashville to throw to all the tight ends, as is uh, Zach Wilson and Nick Mullins, CJ Beathard, Beathard. Josh Allen, if he can make it happen. And Josh Allen. So, like, I, I think George Kittle has a lot of faith in Trey Lance. And this will open up a conversation about them trading three first-rounders, basically, to get up there and having the patience to sit him for a year. Nobody else would do that, right? That isn't something that would happen. Now, they had a much better team than most teams that are trading the future of their franchise for a quarterback. But that patience and letting them watch Jimmy G, it might pay off in leaps and bounds here for the San Francisco 49ers. AJ, why will it never happen again anywhere else, you think? Man, it has to be the perfect situation for it to happen. So I watched when Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre. So Aaron was drafted the year before me. I came in, Aaron sat for two more years. Brett was the start of my first two years in Green Bay. And then, boom, Aaron takes over. Well, we knew, I knew day one I walked there into Lambeau in the practice field that Aaron was the guy. Like, we're going to be okay. Whenever Brett, like, decides to actually really hang it up, we're fine. Now, I don't know that they feel, do they feel that way in San Fran? Have we heard reports of that? I know now Kittle. they feel really, really good about him, right? Hey, Kittle does. And I think Kittle feeling that way makes everybody else feel that way it calms everybody else down too i think not only the players on the team the coaches but also the fans probably oh, okay cool we don't we shouldn't worry too much well and kittle is inviting him out to tight end university he's trying to get josh allen there and he compared trey lance like mm-hmm. a josh allen type player you know what kittle's trying to do here uh-huh. this oh, is yeah. kittle this is kittle trying to get trey lance and josh allen yeah. in the same area together mm-hmm. hey you guys want to have a couple beers together <laughs> maybe have some conversation george Bye. kittle you know out here pulling the strings presented by Charmin. I'm excited. <laughs> what if Trey Lance is a guy? Like, that would be great for the NFL. Obviously, we've seen uh, Mac is a guy. Yeah. Right? We think he's going to be a guy. But, you know, immediately thrown into the fire. Joe Burrow, going to be a guy, is a guy, immediately thrown into the fire. It's like nowadays that Aaron Rodgers situation would never take place, you would think. But if the Trey Lance situation ends up working out and they traded more than – Mostly anybody in recent history, right? The yeah. Rams, I guess, maybe? And or the uh, Washington football, football team? Yeah, since like RG3. RG3 yeah. with mm-hmm. the Rams or what? Like, they have gone all in, and they still had the patience. I hope it works out so that other people will feel okay doing it in the future and there being some precedent, you know? But a lot of teams aren't going to draft a guy like top three, top five at the quarterback position with the intention of ever sitting him. Like, it means know, you don't have a guy usually, but the, the Niners had a guy in Jimmy G. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think watching a veteran quarterback operate is any position. Not even – okay, either I'll, I'll let you finish, but you say it all the time. You wish Andrew Luck got to watch Peyton Manning just operate for a year, and I 100% agree. I think that's awesome. Not like – not even as much like, hey, why do you throw the ball here? Why do you throw the ball here? What are you doing? More of just like, hey, how does he carry himself? When does he come in and watch film? When does he like push the guys? When does he back off? How does he handle coaches? All of that stuff, I think, that you just kind of soak in from being around the guy for a year is the biggest part. And when and how does he say, no, we're not doing that. We're going to do this instead. Like the confidence that the quarterback should have in making like executive decisions almost, whether it's in the quarterback meeting room, offensive meeting room, team meeting, where practice, life, everything. Like, hey, getting a chance because you're going to learn that. And Andrew did. Andrew became that like three, year three, maybe year two, year three. He kind of got into it. But if that first team, which is our best team and we make to the AFC championship, that if he was the same guy he was, I think just in behind the scenes. Man, leaps, huge, 
huge jump, I think, in the way he would operate it. So I enjoy the patience that the Niners have shown. I enjoy mm-hmm. the fact that they had the ability to do so with the team that they had, the success that they had, and Jimmy G seems like the perfect veteran quarterback to do such a thing, but it would really help out a guy like Matt Ryan here in a couple of years, however long he wants to play. I don't know how long he wants to play. If he wants to play two more years, wants to play three more years, whatever the fucking case, if he makes that decision and then they go get a guy and that guy can watch Matt Ryan, who Jim Irsay has called a Navy SEAL mm-hmm. and an astronaut and like, a, you know, and Reggie Wayne says it makes him almost vomit how much he reminds him of Peyton Manning. Like that is, he said, almost makes me sick to my stomach that I vomit how much he reminds. If a young guy could watch like Matt Ryan operate, like when he says to an offensive coordinator, when they drop, ah, I don't, I'm not, I don't like this play. Like, I don't like this play. Let's not fucking do it. Like those little things, I think that it takes a little bit for everybody to get used to being that like powerful is a huge jump start. And Trey Lance might have already had the perfect mentor in Jimmy G. Yeah. And you have to know, like sometimes like, oh, that's an option. Like I never yes. thought about handling a situation that way. Like you can't even think it up. Like you can't even prepare for it, but you, it hits you in the moment. Like, oh, okay. That's. I, I legit never looked at it that way, and then you'll take that for the rest of your life, honestly. Just little life lessons that can be dropped in there by following around a veteran, you know? And that's why you two need to get your asses to be gone. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. I think no, it's more so sure. like a Herbert situation. Like, hey, you just throw us into the fire. We don't have to really follow anybody. Maybe we have a little training camp, and then right before the game starts, you know, somebody pokes somebody else in the lung, Sorry. and then you know, you run someone over in the first quarter, and then you take the Chiefs to overtime on your first start. Well, was that week like four that. or week five? Uh, oh, I thought it was early. Might have been early I thought it was like week two. I will be. I will look. I think it was two. Yeah, I, th- I thought it yeah, was week man. two. Why am I thinking it was week four or five then? Could be wrong. What a fucking loser. Because he, <laughs> I only think that just because of the rookie of the year stats. I mean, if he came in week five and threw 30, 33 Wait, touchdown passes, that'd be unbelievable. Where's Jimmy G going? Where's Baker either. going? Do we have any idea? Jimmy G allegedly, Matt Mayoko. Yep. That sounds right. Mayoko. Mayoko. Uh, he said that once he is cleared to play, then I think Garoppolo will ask for his release if a trade isn't materializing. That's via Javier Vega. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Matt Mayoka, I believe he covers the Niners for NBC Sports West or something. I believe so. I believe he is somebody that covers them. He's getting the inkling that Jimmy G will get back to because he had shoulder surgery. When was that? Uh, March. Like, yeah, like yeah, right after the season. March, I think he had shoulder surgery on his throwing arm that they didn't think he was going to have to have. Then he had to have, and then that's allegedly what slowed down all the trade conversation because he still owed like twenty million next year if he's on the team. Now, if they cut him, I think it's none. They owe him nothing. I, yeah. think, I think there's no dead cap hit as well. So the trade that everybody thought was going to take place with Jimmy G got slowed down because of the shoulder surgery. When he comes back, I guess Matt's saying he's going to say, get me the fuck out of here, all right? I'm going to go prove myself. Who's going to pick him up? Like, who? who's looking for a guy right now? Carolina, Carolina. definitely still is. Darnold's their well, starter right Seattle now. Seattle found their Corral. starter in Geno. Gino is edging out Drew Locke right now through OTAs, allegedly via a report out of the Seattle Seahawks OTAs. Uh, Gino, obviously a veteran, has played more football than Drew Locke, NFL football? For sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he remember he had those with the Giants. With the, so. the Jets. Jets. And the Jets. Jets. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. With the Jets. Star for the and Jets. And the Giants. Yeah. Because yeah. Eli, Eli was benched. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. So Wasn't more, that Gino that came in for the Seahawks and looked good for a while before he got hurt? Yeah, that first game he came in and went to overtime? Did it go to overtime? No. Fourth yes. quarter he did something. They went to the overtime against the Steelers. Yeah, yeah. he came in the game and just absolutely. Yeah, I think he, had, he, he played the game before that, I believe. 
somebody, yeah, when Russ got hurt with his mallet finger, yep. mm-hmm. which required surgery, but Taysom Hill said fucking merely a flesh wound. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Tape it up. Russ, you know, Russell Wilson all the way back with the Denver. That team, huh? Oh, yeah. That oh, team yeah. could Den- be. Denver? Yeah. They better be. I mean, that's what we talked about all offseason when they acted like, hey, all they are is a stud quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. All right, well, now they have to prove that. Even though they weren't saying it, they weren't the ones doing it. It was all the media and people around him. It was the Broncos faithful. Let's ride. But whenever Russell Wilson and Peyton Manning are watching film together, uh oh, look out, everybody. Yeah, Yeah. seriously. Look out, everybody. They have weapons. Like they have the young running back, Javante Williams. Did Melvin Gordon go back too? Yes, he did. And then they got Jerry Judy, who we talked to at the Super Bowl, who's awesome. And then Cortland Sutton. The only guy they really lost on offense was the tight end that they had to involve with the trade and sent him to Seattle. We'll be talking to uh, Quentin Richardson here in about four minutes about the NBA. Is there any other NFL stuff we need to hit to wrap up this week? Anything? Uh, TV. Hey, Greg Olson, mm-hmm. number one uh, with Kevin Burkhardt for Fox. Yeah. Official. So he's there all year, and then he'll be calling the Super Bowl, too? Huge. Yep. This is awesome. And awesome. There's people that were acting like Greg Olson would be pissed off about the Tom Brady situation uh, because he thought he was going to be the next number one guy at Fox. I'd assume Greg Olson understands it's Tom Brady. Like, there's levels to be who you can afford to be. There's levels to all of this, even if you're Greg Olson, who's a Captain America superhero, one of the greatest tight ends of all time, and very accomplished. This is a big seat, big audition for everybody else, too, right? I mean, this is just a massive audition for whatever next platform's coming, whatever big job opens up, and Greg Olson's going to kill it, I think. I think he's going to absolutely hope, kill it. Hey, I hope Greg's on a one-year deal with Fox, so if he does kill it, he'll be a free agent after the Super Bowl. Just get broken off. If his agent or he, whoever did the deal, had a brain, that would definitely be what they would do. The day after the Super Bowl, I am a free agent. Oh, could you imagine sitting there and then Apple just announces that they're going to get a game or something? Yeah. yeah. yeah thanks, Greg. Welcome to Apple. We're paying you $40 million a year, mm-hmm. $30 million a year, $25 million, whatever the fuck it is, to be our head person. Drew Brees, I guess, via Andrew Marshawn of the New York Post, will have a possibility of becoming the number two Fox booth. And if... You know, this is probably going to be his best and maybe last chance to have a big NFL broadcasting career. Fox will not break the bank for him, but the opportunity will be there. That's via Andrew Marshawn, who we have respect for in this entire thing. Mm -hmm. How many shots at Drew Brees right here, AJ? I I led the show with this almost. Jeez. First off, no pressure, Drew. Last chance. We're going to be on. We might be able to give you the number two crew and give you a spot when you have a Hall of Fame career. Uh, yeah, I mean, this just shows you, like, there's not that many gigs out there to take if you want a big, like, network gig. And I don't know, man. I don't know what Drew what – do, what do you think he does? Well, I think Drew reads this and goes, oh, this is definitely from Fox leak to Andrew Marshawn here. Uh, listen, if Breeze wants to have a big NFL broadcasting career, this is probably going to be his best, maybe last, <laughs> chance to do it. Is Drew going to die in the next year? <laughs> You know? Yeah, I know. Why Like, why is it this, like, now or never for Drew? We're just going to write him off if he doesn't make it right now. What if he fucking stinks and they write him off and then he starts a podcast like five years later yeah. in a show and it's incredible and then he does his own thing? I mean, I think he's talking about just in the current state, I guess in the current times, in the next year or two. But I don't think – I thought he was good in the studio. I guess yeah. on Notre Dame games and the NFL game where he got his shit retired at halftime, which is kind of awkward, I guess. I don't remember thinking, like, oh, Drew Brees is absolutely terrible at calling games. If he's possibly the number two guy, though, with Drew Brees' resume, he's got to be pissed off about the way he is being chatted about at this moment, right? Because we see other people that are calling NFL games, and we hear the way they call games. And, you know, I'm not saying everybody out there is terrible, but there's a lot of not great 
you know, situations out there. There is a few in some very good commentators, and I think it is a skill set that you can learn and get better on. So you start out on smaller games and then you kind of grow up. And I think I would be terrible at calling NFL games full-time, so this is not me judging anybody else. I'm just telling you from a viewer's experience, like Drew Brees has to be taking this as a chip on his shoulder. This is because yeah. Drew Brees told us at the Super Bowl before he elbowed tie in the back. He said, "I hear everybody saying that my arms getting weak, and I get old." And I just, I say, "Give him, give, give me all of it. Give me, give me all of it. I love it. I'll collect it or whatever." He's doing the same thing with the TV right now. Look for Drew Brees to come fucking dominate the booth next year somewhere. Well, he also looks around and CBS, it's a quarterback. ESPN, it's a quarterback. NBC, it's Collinsworth, and then. Uh, Greg Olson is really the only non-quarterback or established guy like Collinsworth that is the lead analyst on a network. And they're probably saying, you know, this is his last chance to be number two because, I mean, unless Greg Olson wants to go somewhere else, if he crushes it this year and then Brady comes in, then they can just move Greg to number two and know that they have two pretty solid broadcasts for their top two games. And Drew Brees just has to sit there and figure it all out. You know, do we know anybody – you know, because next year all the games, I guess, are free agent games. The NFC normally has uh, Fox call the games, and the AFC normally has CBS. Next year, I guess, every game is free game for uh, networks to pick and schedule and everything. And I think it's because Tom Brady is going to be in the booth, and they certainly want Tom Brady to talk about the AFC, especially with his, what, 18-year run or however many-year run with the New England Patriots. I'm not, uh, like, sure of that. This might have been in the works for a long time, but certainly want to hear Tom talk about AFC games, even though he's going to Fox. So every game is a jump ball. Ari Mirov reported from somebody else that reported from somebody else, probably. But that's a fascinating thing, too, whenever you who add decides? in. Who decides who gets what, what game, though, like the big games? Probably bid on them, right? Probably the, the, yeah, the, are they bidding on – but the package is already – they already paid the money. Are they going to bid on individual games now I, each week? I, I don't know about bid, like, financial-wise. I think they probably just, like, talk about <clears> where <throat> they would slot some games. Like, just if, like- if it was to be on their network. Yeah, I get. I don't. Yeah, that's weird how that's going to work. Maybe we'll get one of those uh, media people on here next week to ask, and we can ask them. Yeah, that has to be because Tom and AFC. Is it like a draft each week? Like, okay, Fox, week one, you get first you pick. Week two, CBS, you get first pick. Which game do you want? They just go back and forth. That'd be sweet. They'll make money off of the that being selection a show. Yeah. That would be. Well, how the flexing work though? Because what if NBC's every single they always week? Get. Just like, well, we want that game actually. Yeah. So, I well they. You know, there's so much money involved. I'm sure it is all they have a plan in place. Yeah. And somehow they're going to make more money with this, by the way. Yeah. They're going to get more money from these networks to get certain games. Oh, well, we didn't expect that. So how about an extra $2 billion? Well, that's why Monday Night Football works because they are also Fox. Like ESPN is also Fox. So, like, really, they. No, no, no. Well, that was uh, debunked. Yeah. Oh, it was debunked. Yeah, yeah that was debunked. Yeah, okay, was okay. International, yeah. I think. Only certain parts of Fox are owned by oh. Walt Disney, mm-hmm. who also owns ESPN. Okay. Joining us now is a man who is the owner of the Knuckleheads podcast, which is an incredible podcast. A man who has become a friend of the show, which we appreciate mightily. NBA OG. You've seen him on ESPN. You've heard him chat here. Former three-point champion. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Beast. Guy's got a stroke. Ladies and gentlemen, Q Rich, Quinn Richardson. Yeah! What's up, man? Appreciate you guys as always. Hey, you can still shoot, huh? Yeah? Always got it? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Always. Like any hoop, outdoor, indoor, double rim, doesn't matter. Always got it for the rest of your life, you think? I believe so, yeah. Least favorite rim, double rim? 
Absolutely. <laughs> okay, it beats me up too. So yeah, it beats up a three-point shooting champion. It beats me up as well. <laughs> hey, what's going on with Steph as a shooting guy? You know, and this is the thing. Steph Curry, greatest shooter in the history of the game, has broken all the records. Changed basketball, I think, fundamentally from uh, kids all the way through the way strategy is. And I might be wrong in saying that. You can tell me that. But once he starts missing these free throws, everybody goes, oh my God, has Steph lost it? What do you think it is? Is that in between the ears? Is it because he's still on his way back? Is uh, Do you think he gets out of it how do you how do you judge another shooter like that as a great shooter in the past i think like anything else sometimes you just miss and i think that he's such an elite and he's like you say he's the greatest shooter of all time like if he misses anything let alone a free throw we like oh my god like every, i feel like every time he shoots the ball it's gonna hit so i think it's that kind of like that 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 knee-jerk reaction that it's actually steph and he's actually missing free throws a guy that shot like 90 plus percent for his career probably for his life i saw it so it's so you know it's so shocking to see him miss i just think that's that's all it is he'll come back and start hitting that's good news do you think the the mavs are going to be able to win championships with luca and in kind of the style of basketball they play right now i think they should i mean right now i mean look at what they're accomplishing right now nobody expected them to be in the western conference finals and that's that's completely and totally on on, on uh luca's back he's 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 taking that team as far as they've come, and I mean, you know, obviously they've had some guys, you know, Jalen Brunson has played unbelievable, Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, Keebler and um, Powell's, Reggie Bullock, they've had guys step up and play huge, but I mean, make no mistake about it, they're not here without Luka. Um, whenever you think about that game, Jordan Poole, hey, I mean, Wiggins is starting to make shots now. Like, Steph had 21 points the other night, and they won fucking by 30 or something, yeah. like by 20 or whatever. That team is stacked. Is it expected for them just to win uh, the entire thing? And has it been that way the entire season? It feels like it was pretty obvious almost at this point. I think it's kind of, for me, in my opinion, it's been it's been up and down the whole season. I think that's been the great thing about the season that I didn't really, I, I, I still right now can't see a clear-cut uh, team that's just out of the way going to win. I mean, I mean, I still feel like this this Warriors and Mavs series is still very much a series. Obviously, with Boston and um, Miami being one-on-one, I, I think that's still up in the air. But I think... Uh, I think Golden State, man, they 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 hit a hit a hit a situation where they had guys out and they were kind of in a bad situation where they got high picks and got a chance to retool with some young guys, and then these guys still came back. I mean, nobody expected Clay to be back and be able to play as healthy as he was he he's been and be be as strong as he's been. And I mean, everybody knew with Steph and you know Draymond, where it's kind of like they got the the, the the band back together, but they added some youth. And Jordan Poole has been, you know, at times for this for this team, he's been their best player in different games. Is Steve Kerr considered like a great coach amongst the basketball conversationalist people? I think so. In my opinion, he is. I mean, because I think everybody knows, you know, Mark Jackson set the table for him. But, I mean, he could have easily came in and screwed it up. I mean, he needs to be given credit for that, you know, not screwing it up. And also during that same stretch, you know, developing and, and, and getting his getting his own um, – you know, his own type of uh, system put in there and, and developing his own identity as a coach and, and things like that because all coaches that step into those situations don't always succeed like he did. So before we move to the East, are Lil Wayne and Mark Cuban all right? <laughs> Is everything okay there? Do we know? Because Lil Wayne, the last we heard, and it was a deleted tweet, Lil Wayne told Mark Cuban, I will fucking piss in your mouth, ho. I believe is what Lil Wayne said to Mark Cuban. Yep. That was deleted. Is that because they're back on good terms? Do we know anything about the inside workings of their friendship now? 
I, I hope they solid, man. That was a, that was definitely a, you know a pretty harsh statement right there. But I mean, I, you know, I, I think I saw something on the um on the on the, on the social media saying that uh, Mac Main saying that they you know they talked and they were solid. So I'm hoping you know I, I'm I'm a peaceful guy. I promote peace, so I hope everything is all good. See, I like the controversy. I like the drama. <laughs> as long as I'm not in it, I, I like peace. But if I'm not in it, it's going to happen. I'd like to see it. Like Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban yesterday. Oh, I couldn't uh, have been more happy. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't have been more. I'm like, yes, this feels real. Lil Wayne and Mark Cuban felt real. I, I like the fact that they're businessmen, though. Hey, let's mm-hmm. let's uh-huh. get past this we don't need to be doing this let's get to the east here uh have you seen the conspiracy that jimmy butler is michael jordan's son and follow-up are the celtics whenever they're healthy the best team in basketball i haven't seen any conspiracy about uh jimmy being mj's son look into it look into it it's very deep it is damning they 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 present quite a case yeah that's crazy. That's a, that's a real thing. That's not a joke right there. Yeah, well, kind of. You know, you, 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 it's, it's definitely some validity on the internet, but since I just said that, also a joke, you know? So it's kind of kind of in the middle. You look at it, you'll enjoy it. But is, are the Celtics, when they're healthy, best team in, in basketball? I mean, that's tough to say, man, because I feel like at different times this year, I felt like Phoenix was the best team. I mean, we see they're obviously not, you know, in the playoffs anymore. I felt like at one point Golden State was, and then there was a point where, you know, obviously Miami finished number one in the East, Boston finished number two. So, I mean, I think it's just, right now it's a game-to-game situation, especially in this East series. I mean, you got two great teams, you know, uh, Coach Ime Udoka is my former teammate. He obviously played in the NBA for a long time, learned under uh, Coach Popovich, and, and he's done what he's done with, with this Boston team. Hey, he's kind of a hard-ass coach, right? Isn't that kind of his day? He came in and it wasn't necessarily working at the beginning because he was much different than Steve. Is that kind of what happened? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it takes takes time to, for change, you know, for, for guys to get used to, to, to a different, you know, a different for a different voice, a different direction and things like that. And, I, and like you say, he made somebody who plays, so he he's a no-nonsense guy. I can see how he handles the team out there on the court and, you know, how he addresses them and stuff. So that could be, you know, that could take time to get used to, especially when you had a different type of freedom before that. So, I mean, when you look at the two teams, Spo is obviously, you know, one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in the NBA, and he does a great job. And then that personnel he has, I mean, yeah. this is a great – Great matchup. I mean, if, if, I feel like if uh, if Jason Tatum, man, if he could if he could lead the Celtics past the Heat, that's a that's a that's a pretty tall order. He's already knocked out KD, knocked out Giannis. If he could come out here and knock off the the, the Heat, that's man, that says a lot about the, the Celtics yeah. and, and him as a as a player. Hey, what does Spolster do that that sets him apart down in Miami? I remember when he first got the gig years ago. People were like, "Oh, oh. video guy, he's an intern." Like people didn't give him a lot of respect, and then all of a sudden, like that was a tough situation that he was thrust into. I think he's handled it great, and now he has respect from everybody. Like, what has he done? He worked his ass off. I mean, he he doesn't leave he doesn't leave a stone unturned, man. I I, I played for a lot of great coaches, and I played for Spo for that one year, and I got to see somebody who is. Who is uh, as intense, as meticulous, as as competitive, and want to win? I mean, if he's as scrappy or whatever you want to get, he he don't mind getting his hands dirty. No job is too small or too big for him to get involved in if it's gonna help the team win. And I mean, I think that's his that's his whole mentality. He's he's out to do everything that he has to do to put the team in the chance in, in the best position to win. And I mean, you see that he he wants it, and he's as he's as you know, as scrappier and as as, as, uh, upbeat about it as anybody on the team. He has the same identity as the Heat culture. 
It makes sense that Pat Riley hired him after watching Winning Time. Pat Riley was basically like the, you know, like yeah. uh, like our Aaron boy. Uh -huh. it, it seemed like that's what they judged. They, I mean, Winning Time. There's going to be a lot of people questioning the validity of all of the characters and stories in there, sure. even though it was being presented basically as a documentary. That's right. It was kind of being presented that way. But Pat Riley, I don't think anybody was expecting him to be a head coach or whatever. He was kind of just like around. Then he gets his gig and he goes, Spolstra, I do remember he got buried, AJ. He, you, you said like people were saying this guy's not going to be able to do it. He was getting fucking murdered whenever LeBron and everybody went down there and they won. They handled it, and then since he couldn't keep it together, I feel like the it got even louder, and now he's put a whole team back. Jimmy Butler, he's that guy, huh? Jimmy Butler is a guy. I mean, Chuck and Shaq got into a verbal altercation the other night over Jimmy Butler being that guy, but is that how everybody views him? And is, How long has he been this top-tier superstar in everybody's eyes? I mean, see, the thing about it, Pat, you play, you, you play, you know, at the highest level in the NFL. You know, it's like, we see things differently than what the outside world sees. So we know before we like God, like we knew Jimmy Butler has been this guy, but until like, you know, they thought the bubble was an anomaly or whatever. And he had the, you know, the different rhetoric with, with, with a couple other teams, Minnesota and Philly. And it's like, when somebody finds that perfect fit that matches everything that they're about and they not gonna get, you know, outcasted for, for the way they are. Like the Miami Heat embrace what Jimmy Butler brings. They want that voice to say something to the next person if you're not bringing it the right way that day. They, they, they embrace that. They don't want somebody who's going to sit back and not get up in their teammates' butt about whatever's going on. And so when Jimmy found that, it's like, a, it's like a match made in heaven. And now with, with the rest of the world, it's like I can compare it to Zach Randolph. You remember Zach Randolph was a 2010 double-double machine from the inception since he got in the NBA. But it took all the way – when he got to Memphis and he made it to the Western Conference Finals and they made that run in the playoffs and you got to see him front and center when all the rest of the teams is out of the way and you can't talk about everybody else, you got to see him now. That's what's happening with Jimmy. You're getting to see him on front stage, front and center, and he he, he out there balling. He's doing the same things he always do. I mean, obviously his scoring has been up and he even spoke to that. Like, he's not a player that's going out there trying to score 30 or 40. But he's going to do whatever it takes to win. And everybody knows that offensive and defensive side of the ball. Anybody that plays the game, everybody's been recognized that about Jim. So maybe you could have Jimmy tell us whether or not he's going to try to score 30 or 40 each game, though. Because mm -hmm. yeah. some of us, you know, bet him to score 40 last night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because Shaq and Chuck... Shaq said he can get 40 any night he wants to get 40. And then Chuck was like, called him a full defensive player of the year is coming to play. And Shaq was like, oh, he can do it if he wants to do it. I just assumed, oh, he's going to get 40. He's going to get 40. But now you're telling me he's not even thinking about that. That is tough. That is, where were you yesterday, yeah, Key Rich? <laughs> where were you yesterday? Uh, go ahead, Connor. Yeah, uh, for the MA Doka and also Jason Kidd, Steve Kerr, for you, like, do you think players kind of rather have a coach that used to play? And also, uh, is it true that LeBron went to Pat Riley and wanted to run the team and that's and basically said, that's not happening, Spolstra's our guy, you're not firing Spolstra? Jeez. I don't know about the LeBron and the Pat Riley thing. I wasn't there during that time, so I can't truthfully speak for that. Speak to that. But uh, as far as like what players rather have a, a, a former uh, player as a coach, I think it's situational. Because I mean, I, I could I could absolutely see myself wanting to play and loving to play. Like when I was in uh, with the Clippers, Dennis Johnson was our assistant coach, and I loved DJ. He was like a, a older brother, big big vet to us, and he showed us a lot of the ropes. But um, 
I, I had great coaches, man. Not all of them played in the league, but uh, they they were they were all really really great coaches and good people. So I mean, I think everything is situational, and I it's hard for me to say I would rather play for. I mean, because it, it, it's some ex players that you might play for and you might not like them. So you know, I think that's just you know, I think it's a situational thing. That's it's same thing in the NFL, by the way. We're starting to see more ex players coaching, which is good for the game, I think. But not every ex player is a good coach. Like that is just. <laughs> Is everything all right? Did something just go Is off that over LeBron? there? Was that LeBron texting? Was there a siren that just went off over there? It's all good. Okay, okay, go ahead, Ty. Q-Rich, a lot of people were reacting to what Pat Bev said about Chris Paul uh, on TV, and some former players came to his defense. But when you look at a guy like Chris Paul, do you think he is he just snake bit? Is he just one of those guys that is probably never going to win a championship, regardless of how good he is? Like, because it it's almost comical how he gets to the you know the precipice of of going to the finals every year, and then his teams just somehow choke. Like, wh- why do you think that is? Listen, the thought or the idea that Chris Paul is somehow snake bit is laughable. Whoa. The man is a top 75 player. He's made close to a half a billion in, <laughs> in, 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 in like NBA money. That's not talking about off the court money. He's He's Stay been far. the president of the MB, MBPA. He's done so much for other people. He gives back so much money to the community and philanthropy like like if if Chris Paul doesn't win a championship, that that's just he didn't win a championship. That doesn't mean that he's not one of the best point guards to ever play, and he's not one of the best players to ever play. That's those are facts. The numbers, everything he's done, nothing a championship can't change that. Now a championship can upgrade him and put him into that little other elite room within the top seventy-five. But he's already at the highest you can go and he's going to be a first ballot hall of famer and every every other accolade he's going to get all of that i mean if he doesn't get a championship everybody would love to but that's not gonna you know that's not gonna change his life it's not gonna change like if he wins a championship that's not gonna change his lifestyle <laughs> you know what i'm saying he's gonna be considered one of the all-time greats forever it would have been great to win a championship though you walk into any meeting room you get a super bowl championship ring on yeah a little different. That is, hey, that what, about, Q, what about Jason Kidd? He's getting a lot of respect for what he's done with Dallas. Has he, like, from day one, has he always been a good coach? You think he's kind of grown throughout his time as a head coach? I think, obviously, he's grown and he's gotten better. But, I mean, from day one, Jay Kidd, I feel like, was a great head coach. Jay Kidd was one of those guys that the whole time he played, he was he was one of the, you know, the best extensions of the coach on the, out on the court that you could see as an example. And um, even when he went to New Jersey and, and, and coached there in Milwaukee, I felt like he did he did a good job. I mean, I think obviously going and being an assistant coach and being out of it and learning and, and growing, he he learned and he grew and um and got better. And I think right now he's done a he's done a phenomenal job at, with this Dallas Mavericks team and, and just you know some of the adjustments and things he's made and the way he's put them in position. This is he's done a really good job coaching this team with the with the schemes and the game plans and the way he's his his, his uh, competitiveness out there coaching has been crazy. When I watch Luca and you talked about how Jimmy Butler's on the forefront of everybody's mind. There's no other teams to talk about. You have to talk about these players like it did with Randolph or whatever with Memphis. When this is really I think a lot of people's first time seeing a lot of Luca. Like Luke, the the style of play that he has is so much different. It feels like than everybody else. His step back appears to be slower than somebody at the YMCA. His get off 
seems to be a pretty slow thing, but it gets off every time. And that splash, I mean, it is, yeah. he's six, what, seven or something mm-hmm. like that. Do you see anything that Jay Kidd has brought into Luka's game? And how much has he transformed over the years in the NBA? Like, what did I miss? What has Luka really became become great at that has made him the player he is now? Or did he show up in the NBA like this? No, I think he showed up like this, man. I think just like anything else, like when you – Every year that you that you go another year in the league, you get better. You learn different things. You get more comfortable. You you, you know what I'm saying you get used to the travel. You get used to different things. But I think as a player, he showed up as a he showed up as as a as a ready to play pro. He had been playing professionally for a couple of years. The the physicality was was even higher overseas in the league that he played at. So he was looking at it like this this level of physicality is like a notch down from what I'm used to. <laughs> You got to think about it. With a guy like him, he's never been this high flyer, this guy who's soaring through the air and depends on his speed, quickness, explosiveness. So he's played at this pace his whole life. So to to us, it's like, man, he's playing slow. What is he doing? Like, and he, I've seen him say, like, this is the only pace I got, fellas. Like, you know what I mean? like, I, like, this is just what I'm doing. Like, everybody think I'm going in slow motion, but this is just me playing. And now. When you become, when you when you get the opportunity to play and to have the ball and to do, you know, try everything out, like he's in year three, four, and now it's like, oh, I, I know what I'm doing out here now. And then you get a coach like Jay Kidd who comes in and completely empowers you and puts that confidence in you that you the guy, you we gonna go as far as you can take us. Like that's when the players take those next steps and start doing things that they didn't even know they could do. Cause he out here putting on the show and I'm telling you, Nobody don't want to let them do it. They not. This is not something where they like. Oh, they just, nah. People are frustrated and want to stop him, and they cannot. <laughs> hey, think about how great he's going to be when he has that full sleeve. Oh. We talked about it, but that's probably coming this off season. I assume the full sleeve's coming oh, this yeah. off season and next off season. He's going to be tatted. He is going to be fucking awesome to watch i'm very thankful that they've had a good run here and i've actually been forced to almost see him like you said he's a completely different style of basketball player i think than we've seen in the nba is there anybody else that's played the style that he's played not really not really i mean i i kind of liken him to a souped up paul pierce because paul pierce was kind of like that where he didn't but but paul kind of had more explosiveness to him but he plays even more on the ground than paul but i mean his 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 ability to maneuver and manipulate the defense and the players in the scheme at, at such a pace is crazy. He he does, he's never hurried. He's never never you know uh, taken out of his own comfort zone and stuff like that. And then he's six seven six eight. So most people in his position, he see over. He can make passes and make different shots over those guys. Go ahead, Tone. Yeah, Karich, um Talking about Luca, and we talked about it the other day, like the first three possessions, I believe he saw Wiggins on him, and then Clay, and then Draymond. How much do offensive players hate when they just see a different guy on them each possession? I mean, it can be tough because especially they, especially like those guys you name, they throwing out different good defenders. It's not like you're just throwing anybody on them, so they getting different looks, and it's tough for you to. Uh, get comfortable because I mean, you know, he's a guy that kind of plays and he feels things out and sees how it's going. So when you throw in different looks at him, it's kind of hard for him to fall into a conference zone to see, you know, a steady, consistent look. So I think that was a great, you know, a great move by Steve Kerr, you know, a great coaching move by throwing different looks at him and not trying to let him get on balance with anything. Do you think the Warriors going to win it all? It's tough for me to say that right now. I think the, I think. 
both of these series are, are up in the air. I mean, I, I if I had to if I had to be pressed, I would I would go with the Warriors and they and they uh, experience over the you know the usefulness of the uh, of the uh, Mavs, but. I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Mavs, if, if Luca go nuclear and, you know, he make it a series or he take the series. Cause, I mean, I think he's good enough to do it in, in, in this series. Man, the NBA is in a good spot, it feels like. Games are exciting. There's so much talent. What are you going to say? You got one for Yeah, I got one more. Yeah, go yeah Q Rich, what do, uh, like, NBA, NBA guys think of, like, the Chet Holmgrens, like these really tall dudes who can handle? And I know there's another guy over in France who's kind of similar, who's a seven-footer, but he kind of handles like a point guard. Like, do you guys think that'll actually work, or do you think he's too small and skinny for the NBA? I, I can't speak for everybody else, man. I'm on the mindset. I'm always wishing all of these guys well and, and hoping that it does work out the best for them. I mean, you hear the comparisons to, to uh, the uh, Kevin Durant and, and other players like that. I'm always looking at it. I mean, I think everything is a situation to situational basis. I don't think, you know, it's fair to really compare somebody to whether somebody got hurt or things like that. So, I mean, I just w- wait and see, man. Wait and see. And I-, I wish all these young guys the best. Be healthy and have good careers and go in there and make all the money they can make. And then start an incredible podcast like the Knuckleheads podcast and continue to do it for the rest of your life. Ladies and gentlemen, absolute stud, 13-year NBA vet, Quentin Richardson. Thank you, Q-Rich. Was the only person alongside Jacob Hester who got to speak to Nick Saban after Jimbo Fisher came in off the top rope on a press conference yesterday morning. Nick Saban said, Texas A&M, all right, beat us in recruiting. All right. They paid for every single recruit, every single person on their roster. All right. And then Jimbo Fisher said, give me a fucking microphone tomorrow morning. Fuck this guy. He's got, he's a czar. Dig up his body. He's got dead bodies, actual and fictitious dead bodies in his, in his past. Yesterday, Nick Saban said, I'm only talking to one show. That show, Jacob Hester and this man, the man who saved football, Ohio State legend, Dallas Cowboy legend, ladies and gentlemen, General Bob Carpenter. Yeah, General! What's going on, General? Hey, man, not much, dude. How, uh, how are we doing today? We're looking, looking good. There, we got the tank top, guns rolling in, padded. I'm, I'm impressed with this physique and uh, everything that's got going on and the fact that you got my man AJ talking about suppositories. That's usually right in his wheelhouse. <laughs> See, that's why I knew we could bring you into this conversation. Pills in butt, pills in mouth, mm-hmm. whatever it is, make sure you only need them because pills can go the wrong way, both ways. But the Affinity shirt you got on, we see you working out on Instagram every day. Is that going to help me? What will Affinity do to me? What are you on right now to make you the person you are? Oh, Coach, we could get you on probably like a little B vitamin supplement, probably a little testosterone. So when you get juiced That's up for SummerSlam this year, Ooh. we're get to get those guns rolling. So good, man. Like, I... Uh, I like this. This should be perfect. It's going to give you that little extra edge. Pat, remember when you were like 16 years old and you could go run around all day, you know, just eat garbage, yes. drink tons of Mountain Dew, and it didn't matter what you did? Yes. Like, this is where we're going to get you back to. So give you that little extra edge when you're in there grinding on the climate. What do I got to do? Do I got to travel to this place? Do I got to call them? Are they going to take my blood? How does this work? Yeah, man. They take your blood. They run oh, some tests. You know, that. they do some stuff like that. And then, hey, they ship it all right to your house. You have AJ come over, he gives you the suppositories, and everything's going to be good. It's all suppositories, I think. I'm out. So this is up the butt? What? I don't want to do that. <laughs> it's, not, it's not suppository. I was just joking with that. I figured AJ would get excited, though. I didn't want to tease him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bob. Bob, I wanted to ask you. I know your show is 6 to 9 a.m. I've been trying to explain to Pat and the boys how you've been a loyal 
you know, guy that works out at the Ohio State weight room. I know COVID may have changed that a little bit. Are you able to go into the facility and work out anymore, or, or what's the deal? Yeah, I usually go in now after. You know, I used to go in 6 a.m. I was in there every day. And there's nothing more humbling than working out with, like, 18- to 22-year-old <laughs> college athletes, especially as you continue to get, like, further and further away. You know, it's a little bit – you know, I keep getting older. They stay the same age because oh, they just right, keep looking right. good and can run. They don't have the knee soreness, the hip soreness, the back soreness. Uh, so now I'm on from six to nine. So usually a couple of days a week, I'll slide in there, you know, and just be the old dude, go in and do a little executive workout, make sure I still got it. And I uh, got to stay ready because, you know, this summer I try to hop in with some runs on those guys, with those guys. Every uh, now and okay. Is this normal? So AJ told me that alum did come back and work out, but you've been doing this now for how many years, like 15, 20 years. And is it just understood like, Hey, general Bob Carpenter is able to drop in on any run group. He's able to drop in on any workout group. And do you talk to the players? Like, Hey, that's not how we fucking do it at Ohio state. Are you a part of a group? <laughs> Are you working out alone? Because this is very fascinating to me as somebody that has been a part of obviously a college workout uh, program. So here's the thing: like we always had those dudes dropping in. It was Mike Vrabel, Joey Galloway, Andy Katzenmar, dude, dudes that were just physical freaks. Like Joey Galloway is like 50 years old, and I'm not kidding you. I think like four years ago they had him on the clock like a four four five. Like it's it's remarkable ah. the speed that he possesses. And so I'll go there. I'll work out. I'm not going to get into lifting with the guys as much. I may slide in if I think I can maybe take a dude in a set, but it's really all about the run. And so I've been doing oh, this yeah. for so long. You got a little fingerprint scanner, and I guess maybe one day, Pat, when that thing doesn't work, that means, hey, dude, you're no longer welcome here. But until that happens, until they can keep letting me uh, – you know, slide on in there and go work out that fine facility. I'm going to take it for all that it's worth. Absolutely, as you should. And those workouts are terrible, though. Like, summer runs are the fucking worst. Are you still making times? Are you running with the big guys? What are you doing? Oh, no, because got to run. I'm leaner now. I'm like, age of me. Lose some weight. You feel good. Like, I'm mean, I go run with the big skill guys, run with the linebackers. Like, that's still still the area that I try to hang on to. And I, I've always been able to run, as AJ can attest. It's It honestly, like... There's a little bit of genetics that come into that. That you know, my family's runners, I guess, and I can. Do you I get like checks? Do, are you on the clock if you're late? Like, are you getting extra oh, runs? Coach, I'm not. I'm not. I'm never going to be last. I'll tell you that. Like, they they're going to drag me out and shoot me in the corner before <laughs> that I would be the last dude. Like, that's that's never a possibility. AJ's laughing about it. He knows. Like, that's the one thing that I can handle is always the runs because we'd be running with Vrabel. We were back in the day. Mike Vrabel's coming back, and he. He wouldn't do any warm-up, Pat. He'd come in there, you know, we're over there warming up, and he's like 32 years old at this point, you know, we're 22 in college. You know, he's, he's I'm like, you don't warm up? He's like, I have the first and second gas for my warm-up. He goes, do I smoke a pack of heaters this weekend, you know, drink a case of beer on Saturday night? He's like, I will smoke all you guys. And at first I thought I was joking, and then he would just dust everyone and talk mad trash while he was doing it. And so that became like my goal. Could I end up being a little bit like Mike Vrabel, the dude that's running with the chew in and in between sets, he's got his like five and seven year old son who now one of them plays at Boston College. He's like yelling at him to quit like climbing on the equipment and like jumping around from deal to deal. Man, what a family Ohio State is. Have you become that guy? Are you talking shit to these players or, or are you quiet? You're tired. No. You're tired, aren't you? You're tired. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. You get tired. You can't talk as much as, no. as Vrabes used to be able to. I, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm not, I'm not Vrabes. I can't run it with the chew in my mouth. I can't run it after burning heaters. Like, those things I cannot do. But I will pick and choose some spots 
to make sure that those guys know, like, hey, you know what, man? 38 years old. I went to I went to seven kids games this past weekend. My <laughs> wife and I had two bottles of wine last night. And now we're over here. I got a bad knee, a bad back. And I'm over here whooping your butt, son. So, like, if you think that the guys on Saturday aren't going to be able to keep up with me, like, you got another thing coming. And so give them a little bit here and there, man. But they're good sports. How do you feel about the team coming up? We winning the whole thing next year or what? And could you tell last summer, I guess because COVID, you weren't able to run with the boys. That might have been the problem. That's why they lost to Michigan. Wow. Oh, my God. I don't know if that I don't know if that was the reason. But no, Bobby Carpenter, no, right? Yeah, the boys, they lost that edge. Yeah, yeah you can see. This is your size. fault. This is your fault. Oh my god! Oh, Terrible. Don't don't be going there. This guy saved football, General, brought it back for Michigan to beat Ohio State. Oh, General. Oh, oh my! This no. is your fault. You weren't there. I would like to be able to take credit for having that great of an influence. That that wasn't me. That was not me on any given day. I'm not giving that much. Just a little nugget here or there to make sure the guys are amped up and ready to go. But as far as being able to turn a whole cruise ship and win games like that, that ain't my deal. Like I'm not, I'm not on that level. By well, then what the fuck are you there for, Bob? I mean, I thought that's why they got you out there on the field running with the guys. Yeah. Showing the way. I thought that was the purpose. I told those guys I could walk off at any time. I do this because I choose to. Because yeah. I'm probably half. I'm a little bit like AJ. I mean, being around this guy so long, you become like a masochist and can torture mind and think, you know what, like it's really good to do these things even when they feel terrible and you know it's going to feel terrible. But you just get ready, Pat, to embrace the pain. And like it's the only thing that you have later in life because, you know, your skills begin to fade. You don't look as good anymore. But you know what? Running's going to hurt. That knee's going to hurt. Your back's going to ache. And so you might as well just kind of drink that thing in and really embrace it. And beat it. You know, beat it. Beat it. Yeah. yeah, that's a big thing. You know, I don't get a lot of that anymore. That's always f- doing that. that uh, all right. All right. Let's <laughs> Bob, what did Nick Saban say yesterday, Bob? I know you talked to Nick Saban. It was a big get for you guys. How was it? I didn't get to hear it. You know, it was good. He uh, he backed everything down a little bit. I mean, it was obviously you heard how aggressive it was at Jimbo early on. And I'm on with Jacob Hester. So think about this. Uh, Pat, who was your coach? Rich Rodriguez. You Rich Rodriguez. Rich, uh, Very similar to Nick, by the way. Oh, believe me, my uh, my D coordinator in high school and and uh, Rich were GAs together. And I used to tell my defensive coordinator, he's the biggest asshole in the world. He goes, you think I'm the biggest asshole? Wait till you take a visit to WVC. <laughs> <laughs> I heard more F-bombs. Oh, holy smokes. Yeah. It was, they're like the same dude. And so here's the thing. Hester was at LSU with both Jimbo and Saban. I'm like, dude, he was like this. He's like the kid caught in the middle of the divorce right here. They're going back and forth. He's got his head coach, and then he's got his his offensive coordinator on the other side. And these guys are straight up throwing haymakers at each other. Like, I want you to think about this. Nick Saban, I mean, accused him obviously of buying players and buying the deal, his recruiting class. But Jimbo Fisher's retort was to sarcastically call this guy the god of football, the czar of football. Everybody thinks you know he, he hung the moon and an unrelenting narcissist, and then says, "Go talk to his court, his other assistants. They'll tell you where the bodies are buried. They'll tell you what went on." I'm like, man, I've never heard another dude. There, there's an unwritten rule like, you, you you stay off the top ropes, man. You don't bring the chair out of the crowd. You make sure that you keep that thing between the lines. And dude, Jimbo threw some hard ones, and I asked uh, Nick, I'm like, did you have you called him yet?" And he's like, yeah, I have. And he never really addressed it because Jimbo's like, he's called. I ain't answering. 
And so there's something deep and personal there that goes way beyond any of the things that we were talking about. Bobby, it did feel like he had a little bit of a, you know, a passive, aggressive, irritated to be there appeal on your show, you know? And I think that's every interview he's ever done. It's kind of like, why am I here? He knows he has to do it for recruiting, all the shit he has to do. I think he enjoys talking to Belichick. Like, there's been some clips where he's talking, like, super high-end football stuff. But all the other stuff, it feels like he's annoyed at all times. We thought thought you should have, hey, Bob, you could have took your swing there. You could have. Bob, you could have been like, Nick, you know... I'm an Ohio State guy. You've been at the top of the mountain for all this time. We've all assumed that you have cheated to get to where you are. Jimbo alluded to you doing such a thing. Now you kind of sound like a hypocrite. Was there any thought of you doing that? Or were you like, nah, there's no reason for me to be that guy? Listen, out of respect for Jacob, who I was on with, who helped get him on, a former player of his, I wasn't going to be that dude and be the heel in that situation. So I left it all to Jacob. It's like, all right, we'll do this. We'll keep this stuff fairly light, fairly topical, because there's a, we had this all scheduled before any of that happened. Oh, okay, oh. okay, okay. We didn't know. Oh, yeah. yeah, this wasn't in response. And he they called, they set up, and his SID, I don't think, wanted him to do it. And Nick wanted, he's like, I agree to this. I'm coming on. I'm like, okay. like So I wanted okay. to keep that thing pretty right. You know, I didn't want to be that guy with your boy, like, hey, you know, you, you have, uh, you know, Aaron, AJ helps get Aaron on, and then all of a sudden you're asking Aaron about all kinds of nonsense and everything else. Like, hey, man, how are you going to do this to me? Yeah, you know, why are you going to be that guy and throw that stuff? And you're texting me to ask him about the damn handshake on <laughs> Like, how's that going to look? I'm like, my goodness, dude. He may have strangled me through the phone. <laughs> Bob, weren't you, though, surprised by Jimbo? Like, Jimbo went after him personally, like, as a man, I feel like, and that's the thing. You say, don't, don't bring the chair out of the, the crowd. Like, do you think Saban's going to have to address that? Or I, I would imagine that would almost hurt more than him saying, hey, these are recruiting violations. Well, these are guys that they won a national championship together. Like, that's what, I mean, it's crazy. Like, he, Jimbo was the offensive coordinator for five years. And he starts, this guy thinks he's, you know, the czar of football and everyone thinks he's a football god. Like, that's, to me, getting personal right there. And then the other element of it, dude, I talk about, like, that's, that's some name calling. So you get a little bit of that. And, and I, that's where it starts to sound a little personal. But then he starts talking. You talk to all his assistants. And you, he'll, he'll me. tell you what's going on. I mean, that's that's where that thing got a little bit sideways. I'm like, man, if you give Jimbo a drink or two right now, he might tell, like, a legit story that might stink this whole ship. <laughs> Can we, do we have those clips still on the, on the dais? On the... Uh, he fucking went. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. Saw him By the way, unlike, I thought Saban called that to answer. You guys having that pre-scheduled is vastly different than Jimbo. Jimbo did not have a planned press conference. He said, give me the fucking microphone. This son of a bitch needs to learn that he can't call me a cheater. This is what he said. For those that didn't hear all that Jimbo talked about, it is, I think, vital for you to hear it again because of how much it is. These are personal shots. Like this is, How far will this go? How long has this been brewing, you think, from Jimbo and Nick, like old friends? Like, Are they just waiting for an opportunity to say fuck you to each other? Here's one of the clips from Jimbo yesterday in response to Nick Saban calling him a cheater, basically. Any contact with Nick since? No. Uh, no. Oh, he's called. He's called. Fuck. Good follow-up, You Bob. just didn't take the call? Not going to. We're done. And, uh, he shows you who he is. And then I just wanted to... He's the greatest ever, huh? And then I just wanted when you to... you got all the advantages, uh-huh. it's easy. And I just wanted to... Uh, 
How about that guy wanting to get that question? <laughs> Bob. He, he, he had that reporter so far on his heels. <laughs> he'd ask a follow-up. I mean, he's got all the answers. He thinks he's God. He's done it all. I mean, Run that next one. Run the God one. Here's the God one. Here's the God one, Bobby. This one's even better. Some people think they're God. Uh-huh. Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. Bob, what do you think that means? Do you think he's calling for somebody to look into it? And do you think anybody will do that in the modern world that we're in? I think uh, Greg Sankey was probably like, hey, uh, dad's coming back. You guys are going to separate everybody. We're not going to start throwing chairs like that because all this is going to do is think these guys have both won national championships. I mean, and for him to sit there, he thinks he's God. Go look at how God did it. Like that's basically him saying that Nick has cheated his whole way through this. And I would, I mean, I wasn't going to try to get that person with him. And as I'm sitting there thinking about it, like I, I'm trying to think in my life, is there something that I could do to be that personal and like throw somebody out? And like my boy over there, you know, your boy the Hawk sitting there. I mean, I love him. I love his wife and. We'd be imagine sitting there with one of your best friends for like twenty years, dude that you had worked with, and respect, who had success with, and you're drunk one night, and there's so much animosity that had built, bubbled up. You're like, hey, dude, you should start hearing about his past. And I just start dumping out all these terrible stories, you know, and then say, hey, look, ask him about this one, ask him about that one, ask him about that night in Vegas, ask him about the time we dumped oh. that dead hooker in the dumpster. Like, <laughs> Throwing that stuff you out like that's that? basically what Nick Saban was throwing out there. <laughs> what, or Jim what year? What is this? Rewind. Oh, it feels like there's going to be more. Don't you guys be? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, if, keep going, Bob. Keep giving more examples. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. I think. But the thing that you're talking about is getting boozed up and doing this, Jimbo. This was woke up in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, think of though. What did what Saban Jimbo say last said, night? Think about it, Pat. What has Jimbo said behind closed doors for years and oh. years? If this is what he's saying publicly, I would imagine he's really let this out to other people he knows. So do you think, Bob, Like, are we going to see other former players maybe come out and defend each side? Like, What do you think we're going to see Hold on. Now? Former Florida State player said, what, Alabama offered him six figures or something like that. Really? I think that was like a tweet yesterday. But how? we don't know what's real and what isn't at this point You know, with anybody. Yeah, those Jimbo guys. We have no idea. How much do you think about this? So they have the SEC spring meetings coming up. Those are going to be at Destin, Florida in two weeks. He said, go ask his assistant coaches. Guys who have coached oh, for him. Brother. Start looking at uh, uh, Arkansas's head coach. Um, you start looking at Napier at Kirby. Florida. Lane. Kirby Smart. I mean, Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin is the guy who I really want to see be asked about all this. Because think about our boy Lane. Like, he is the dude on the playground who loves to start the fight and then back on out and just sit back and eat some popcorn and watch that thing. So I, I'm curious, man. Greg Sankey may literally get all those guys in a room and be like, listen, dudes, we're shutting this thing down right now. No one's going to talk about anybody's past. Nobody's going to get into how maybe you cheated, maybe you've done this, you've done that. We're, it is over, and we're shutting this thing to, down. Because like you said, it got so personal. Like and AJ pointed out, like – how long, this must have been bubbling for so long, and there must have been so much said behind the scenes that when Nick threw this stuff out there, it's like, dude, it's over. I'm call, I'm scrambling the Jets. We're talking about as if our country just got attacked by a terrorist attack. We're calling up the press conference right now on a Thursday morning oh, yeah, at yeah. 10 o'clock. 
and I'm going to respond to all of these allegations. And you don't even need to ask me questions. I'm just going to spill everything out and do your job for you. While you're trying to ask questions, I'm actually going to cut you off. I got more. I got more to say. Actually, shut the fuck up. I got more to say. Stop asking your fucking question. Huh? You think he's good? Huh? <laughs> I'm not done yet, sir. Please let me continue to bury an old friend of mine. I'm fascinated by it all. And before the boys have their question for the general. General, I have one more follow-up. Like, what you just said there about you and A.J. Hawk's relationship, did that actually happen? Like, should we send, like, are we, what did you guys, you guys, what happened? There's, listen, have you ever seen the movie Very Bad Things, Pat? No, no, that would be the complete opposite of something I would sign up to watch. I'm a very, very optimist, positive person. I know you're a very optimistic person. I think it might be a movie you want to watch, and it'll just kind of, you know, tantalize the mind and the imagination with some of the things you think you can get into if you know somebody close enough for long enough that I'm not saying you're going all the way there, but you know what? There there might be some great little stories here and there, some little nuggets for everybody. So go watch. That's, that's a little homework for you. We knew AJ week. was a fucking murderer. Dirtbag. Yeah. Didn't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Serial killer. Said it a Scumbag. Everybody who washes their clothes every night, doesn't put any sauce on food, hasn't had a carb since 1997, Pat, you've got a question of whether or not he's cutting people up and throwing them in dumpsters. <laughs> I'd, I'd be a lot more lean if I didn't have a carb since 97. I eat plenty of carbs. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That's yeah. the only okay. thing he defended. Yeah. That's the only thing he defended. Yeah. That, that's well, a yeah, problem. The other stuff I don't need to defend. Oh, of course. Okay, that's sure. true. Go ahead, Ty. General, given open, all this stuff and what we know, if both of these guys have like Connor. eight beers and then go out into a back alley, who you got in a fist fight? Jimbo or Saban? I, I think Jimbo's younger. Hell, Nick Saban's like, like 70 years old. The thing is, Pat, they're both from West Virginia. I know you're a pit guy, so it's not that far down the road. Well, I mean, these guys might have a little scrappiness <laughs> to them, but I would probably have to take Jimbo at this point just because he's younger and, I mean, quote, he's got ranches. And so anybody that's, quote, got ranches, you know that they can do a little something. What is that from? Well, that's what he said when they asked him about leaving – uh, Texas A&M to go to LSU because why would I leave A&M? I got ranches in Texas and I'm like, do we really need the ES on the end? It's just like the mic drop of, yeah, we know you get paid $75 million, dude. We know that you're, you're super wealthy. Like He just dropped out. The, I got I got ranches in Texas. I guess, I guess you're a good person to ask about this because you're still running with college kids and trying to beat them on a daily basis. The competitive stamina of Saban and Jimbo Fisher to still care this much at the age with all, all the money they've made, all the success that they've had. Publicly, they are emotionally invested and pissed off about this. I find that impressive to have that trait. I don't know if as I get older, I'm going to give a fuck enough yeah. to, about anything to really answer the way they have. But that I feel like that's part of the beauty of college football, right? That's why people who love college football love college football because it's a cult-like situation everybody's all in everywhere. Do you see that continuing with the NIL stuff, Bob? Do you think the the environment and culture of college football is going to remain through this through I, all this? I mean, that, that's, that's the thing that makes college football so special and even separates it a little bit um, from the NFL. Because you sit there on Saturdays and you watch full-grown men who may be a banker on Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, and on a Saturday afternoon, they're super boozed up. They're going to cheer on their team. And you know what? If you talk trash about their team, they're going to fight you in the parking lot. They're a grown 48-year-old man with probably three kids that are going to go to some soccer games on Sunday. And they're sitting there in a t- uh, polo with whatever they emblem they've got. And if you're wearing the wrong one and talking trash, they're going to come at you. And so I hope 
that that still stays there with the fan base. I hope that it still stays there with the coaches. I think that it will, largely because people still care a lot. And I think they're going to probably find a way to tweak this NIL thing. But it's just going to take a little bit of time to figure it out. How are they going to tweak it, though? What what can they do moving forward to stop them like recruiting kids from other schools to other big-time schools? That's that's the real question right there. That's I asked Nick that. I'm like, how would you fix this? You know, if you could do it. And his thing is like, get rid of the collectives. I don't think anybody has a problem with dudes making money. But Can you explain the, what the collectives do exactly? West Virginia's got one. West Virginia's got one. Oh yeah. Well, so the collectives, like they basically said, hey, you know what? We want to make sure that everybody's getting paid. And nil, like, it's not you going and getting a deal and going and doing something like that. We're going to set up so everybody that comes here. They get $50,000 or $100,000. And that's essentially, I think, what Nick was alluding to with what Texas A&M did. They had a lot of boosters, wrote a lot of checks, signed 25 kids. Every kid that came in got fifty grand, regardless of anything else. And it's like, dude, that, that's really not NIL. That's just paying some dudes to come to your school. And so that's where these collectives have formed to do that. Although a lot of schools are getting them. And that's, that's kind of the problem that I have with it. Like, dude, guys, you'll get paid. Once you're a good player, you go market yourself, you go brand yourself, you know, you're a likable guy, you go do all those things. And it's somehow the ability, as Nick was saying, to kind of eliminate those collectives is, I think, the solution. But they're going to have to have some sort of legislation around it. I don't, I don't know how they're going to do it. I honestly have no clue how they'll be able to pick it because isn't – isn't it the same for me to say this company is going to offer you fifty thousand dollars to sign autographs two times a year here if you come here? Isn't that the same as basically promising the money up front? I just I don't know how they'll be able to stop it. I have no idea how they'll be able to stop it. You can create fake companies and have them do posts online for. I mean, there's just always going to be ways around it, which I think is why everybody's judging Nick Saban so hard because for a long time it feels like he has found ways around it and now everybody else is kind of getting an opportunity to try to do so so it's a lot of that i think and you know you ohio state people we know what you guys have been yeah. doing yeah uh, yeah okay we know you get a hundred thousand dollars to sign your name 20 times once right. you retire from ohio state and you're able to do appearances for the rest of your life in columbus basically right well i mean let me tell you this if you play in ohio state there's a lot of great things that are afforded to you however getting paid aj and i would sit there one time i remember it was like him Myself, Nick Mangold, I don't know, maybe one other person. We're sitting there, like, guys, all everyone talked about getting paid. And, like, I don't know who asked the question. Like, have any of you guys ever been offered money? Because, like, we're all trying to figure out like, who's going to pay bar tabs. My wife graduated a year before us. She would be out there, like, paying our, like, $60 bar tab when we were in college because none of us had any cash to be able to afford it. And so, to a man, all of us, like, none of us have ever been offered cash while we were playing. Now, when you get done, you get opportunities, like you said, to sign autographs and do stuff like that. And so that's fantastic. So I, I don't know how all that crap works, you know, with those guys getting paid and all that stuff happening. But they're in Columbus is a big city. Ohio loves the Buckeyes. And, like, that's a great thing about being in Ohio State. And I Isn't that a recruiting advantage? Whoa. Isn't that a recruiting violation? <laughs> Feels like it. That's unbelievable. Fucking cheaters. Ryan Day. Cheater. Wow. Cheater. Good to know. I wish, man. I wish I wish I would have got some dollars. Because I told people, I go, I can't promise you I would have said no if someone offered me 50 grand in cash. Like, I didn't have any money laying around, man. That would have yeah. been like manna from heaven for me. Dude, I got $40,000 out in loans. Do you know how much fun we had in Morgantown with $40,000 <laughs> in loans? I'm full scholarship kickballs. Got the It's My Money. I Want It Now loan from 2 a.m. Uh, like advertisement mm-hmm. on TV. 25, 30% interest rates on these things. Got the sure? money the next day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great time. I had a blast. Was I that, love you. I that, love you so much. That is the most, 
irres- financially irresponsible. <laughs> you know? But that is that sounds like an awesome time. I mean, yeah. If one of my kids looked at me and said, "Hey, Dad, I know I got a full ride, but I'm going to take out college loans just to party my balls off." Yeah. I mean, I don't I, I don't know if I'd be like disappointed, depressed, kind of excited that hey, you're thinking about you know being able to f- work the financial process. But my goodness, man, that. That must have been one hell of a time. Yeah, well, it was. It certainly was. We had a good time. I did spend every single dollar, but <laughs> I just assumed if I don't make it to the NFL, I'll be in debt like all my friends. All my friends are in debt. And if I do make it to the NFL, I'll pay it off. Yeah. And B happened, thank God. If A would have happened, we're still paying whoever that fucking uh, Sally, Sally May. Sure. Sally May forever because my degree would have been in nothing and I would have got... <laughs> Flipping burgers, probably. So I had that forethought at like 2.33 a.m., you know, a little boozed up. Like, I'm either in debt like everybody else or I'm going to be able to pay it off. It all worked out. Hey, if it wasn't for those bar tabs, by the way, is our team as close as we were together as a football team? Is our camaraderie as high as it was to get all those wins? You know, those are the things you can't really uh, train and work out on the football field. That is true. I mean, AJ and I, we just sit around and, like, watch Top Gun and stuff like that you know, sneak Chipotle into a movie theater. Like, we got our boy, you're like this. You want to talk about some camaraderie, Pat? This is how close we were as linebackers. We go in to watch a movie, a matinee. I don't even remember what it was. In a movie theater, sun, Wednesday afternoon, no one's in there. AJ walks in, sits dead in the middle. We got like two Chipotle burritos like meatheads we stuffed in our, our pockets to nice. eat during the show. AJ sits in. I leave a seat because there's no one else in a 400-seat theater. And then our dude Schlegs comes around me and then plops down in the seat in between us. So we've got like three 250-pound dudes, no one else in the theater. And like a dude comes in to sweep and like to get the trash and just looks over. And like I, I didn't even really, I tried to like hide my face because I was so embarrassed. Yeah, and two Chipotle exactly things was. as yeah. well. I mean, yeah. the, you guys were having a good time in there. What was the movie? I don't know. All I know is this. I'm excited about Top Gun coming out. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm super juiced about that. I hear it's God good. I hear right. it's legit from people that have seen the early screeners. I hear it's good. I'm going to get car sick in there, I think, right? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Definitely. I'm get car sick. IMAX. They, IMAX. How about, the, how about the new commercials, by the way, to say movie theaters? That one says... One of their reports was, see it on the biggest screen possible. Mm-hmm. That was on the trailer. Like, you need to see this in the biggest environment ever. I'm going to go to the movie theater for Top Gun. Oh, yeah. I'm asked you. Next week. If I'm going to fucking space, I mean, let's go. Yeah. Tom Diggs, you got a question for General Bob Carpenter. Yeah, Bob, uh, if you guys play during the NIL, did you, do you think, who would your dream partnership, endorsement, sponsorship be from, do you think? Oh, goodness, man. Like, in college, if I was... Cahoots, I probably, Bob, right? What? Cahoots, I would imagine, right? You could explain that to, well, the, to the people. Well, that checks a lot of boxes, because I was going to say... <laughs> so, Cahoots was a... it was It's called a wild place to eat, was their tagline. They had a the great brunch, so I've been told. But they were a like topless, uh, topless bar, strip club-ish type deal not far from campus <laughs> and that's where a lot of guys would go um checks a lot of boxes <laughs> <laughs> love cahoots love cahoots <laughs> it's got just some food it has some entertainment and it's gonna take care of the beers like I don't really know if, and it's close I don't think that there's anything else that you could have looked at and said man like it's gonna really bring it home 
like a nice solid cabaret. I, I probably would have had to go with Cahoots because it's a wild place to eat. <laughs> All right, Jeez, yeah, Connor. Yeah, General, you're sitting in front of about I don't know Great 50 lineup. photos, game balls, trophies. Any of those that uh, kind of strike a feeling about a story? And also, is that an SB behind you? Uh, that is an SB, and uh, that was from um, our national championship at Ohio State. Here's what's amazing: is you get so much stuff. Uh, if you're in Ohio State, like they've got a bazillion awards. They don't even have room to put them all over there now. And so when they were renovating the facility, some of this stuff was like going to kind of get pitched, and they were trying to find people to give it to. So I think that was like 2002, the ESPY for best game for our national championship game against Miami. I just happened to be right place, right time, when that thing may have been sliding towards the dumpster. So <laughs> that was that thing. I put that behind me. I mean, hey. It was to a good home. It was like a, it was like a lost pet, dude. Someone put a little dog on your porch to a good home. I looked at that. I'm like, this guy can hang out with me. It'll be perfect. Nice little conversation piece. And the rest of the game ball is a full from AJ. So it's all good. Hey, listen. Um, I don't want to say you're a lost pet because I guess you're on every single show on Sirius, AJ told me. But I wish we could hear more of you, Bob. You are the man every time you come on here, pal. You hear me? Hey, well, I appreciate having me on. Uh, Patrick, thank you so much, and I'm more than willing to come back at your beck and call, sir. Well, how about Affinity? We're gonna get set up for that, or what? Oh yeah. Listen, we'll get a little get a little right there. Oh, right. Holy you know, shit! That's, that's about all I got now. But biceps? You can still do runs, though, don't you? The kids are gonna fucking smoke you. And runs, and, coach. I'm staying in shape because I'm hoping coach. to be, you know, come in and be your hype man for SummerSlam. I guess me, AJ, and dude, I'll even grow the hair back out a little bit. We'll get whatever Ooh, we need yes. to do. Oh, a little flow out there. That'll be come great. On, right, coach, we'll talk about him in. All right, coach. We'll see you, ladies and gentlemen. General Bob Carpenter. Yeah, General. Kind of alarmed to hear that you murdered somebody, but yeah, killed a hooker. I guess that's what. Bob was talking about with people who know a lot about each other whenever they get on the outs and yeah. then they go public. I mean, there's a lot of things to be found out. That's crazy you did that, AJ. Yeah, I think we know where yeah. she went missing from, too. Yep. Cahoots. 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 They were raided, I believe. Wild place to eat, dude. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's not, I, think, I don't think they're open anymore. Yeah, yeah there is. It was raided. It was a wild yeah. place to die, too. Great place to watch like. UFC fights. It's on the website. Yeah. Really? Fortunate. Wild place to be seen by Bob Carpenter and AJ Hawk. Yeah, exactly. Last Shockingly, thing you I'd it, actually. I've never been in that place. Yeah. I oh bet. yeah. Okay. Oh, shit. All, right. all right. I'm getting a break. I can't take it anymore. I have, you hear me? I can't take it. Live Friday. All of a sudden, there's other establishments, adult ballets, as you call them, not too far away that didn't really serve food. I I'd, I'd been in a couple of those. I've never been to Cahoots though. I'll tell you what. Those college adult ballets always have great drink specials. The one place in Morgantown was Bring Your Own Beer. Love that. Just kind of hang out. People I try to get changer. around being fully naked. So you can't Some, sell alcohol. Some asshole that I know took an entire keg in there. Like, took the whole thing, had ice inside, took a fucking tub in there. <laughs> fucking, Seems like a That's unbelievable. Player. Yeah, it was. It was pretty wild, yeah. Yeah, he's the bell of the ball, it sounds like. I was not there at the beginning of his arrival, but I was called in, like, help him clear out the keg because they uh, obviously hey. became quite a scene. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah. Five hours later. Two guys walked in there with a the full keg thing. That I had not. Were they like? Were they trying to get girls to come do keg stands on the side of the stage? I what? don't know. What, it was in the middle of the afternoon too. Like this was like a. Yeah. Uh, it was a wild, wild thing. We got out of practice and we had heard from said persons who might have been ex players that were still in town. They were like, "We need some help. We thought this would be a good idea. It's not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Can't get out of here." 
College adult ballets. What a place. Game changer. All right, we got to get to a break. Um, the boys will announce a giveaway on the other side. Fox and I are off to Grand Rapids. Have the greatest weekend of your life. We'll see you on Monday. Thank you all so much to all of our guests and to all of you. You are the best people on earth. We're still in the middle of something season. What will it be? Who knows? See you in a few. Bye.